Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to another episode of the world-famous Wrestling Around. Yeah, that Wrestling Around did go worldwide last week. We've uh, Before we get into it, I want to thank everybody because last week's episode was the biggest opening episode that we've ever had so thank you very much for that this week we're going back to 2002 the wwf with backlash before we get into that joining me uh lou markham lou how are you doing yeah i'm good thanks you know i've had another wonderful week of staying inside bored of it yes yeah. i've got my i've got my lego i've got my wrestling um, I need more though, really. I need, I need actual life. Need something else. <laughs> and joining me and Lou are the world famous Terry Peters. Terry Peters, how are you doing? Cranky. Tired. Cranky. Cranky. <laughs> Any particular reason you're cranky and tired? Delivery men going to the wrong fucking address. Dicks. <laughs> another, week of lo- another week of lockdown survived. So that's a positive. On Apologies. this lovely. Sunny day. Apologies to all the livermen that was offended by Terry Peters' comments. <laughs> Anything else interesting happened to you, Terry? Any any insects in your bathroom? Oh yeah, I had a wasp incident this week as well. So I'm very scared of wasps. Tell us about. Well, so wasps flew in. Very scared of them. I my bathroom door doesn't fully shut, so I shut it with a pair of step ladders for a good four hours. And then sent my lovely girlfriend upstairs to go check if it was gone <laughs> while I hid downstairs. Uh, I want a dis- one absolute disgrace. So just, let's just get this straight. You, a wasp flew into your bathroom. You yep. barricaded the wasp in with a pair of ladders. Yep. <laughs> hid downstairs for four hours. No, I was doing work. I was working from home. So I was working in the morning. <laughs> then went to get some lunch and then sent my lovely girlfriend upstairs to go have a look and see if the wasp had gone. Made a check all the towels and everything. <laughs> there we have it. Terry Peters. Three of the wasps. <laughs> there must be some sort of wasp wrestler we can get him to react to. <laughs> it's got to be a wrestler based on the wasp. It's the, the, killer, bee, the killer bees. Um, the killer bees. <laughs> I don't mind bees. Bees are okay. Yeah. Friendlier. Yeah, they're fine. They, they seem, oh, well, they're needed, aren't they, for food? Wasps are just pointless, angry little yeah, things. Agreed, agreed. Be, bees have a point, don't they? Yeah. Oh, what's, what's that <laughs> point? That's the scariest bit about them. 
Exactly. Yeah, no, well, yeah, well, to be fair, when Meg's Wasp's hey. a bit wet, yeah, we all got it. <laughs> Is it? When the Wasp stings you, it can sting you again, can't it? It's not like exactly, a that's why I'm scared of it. One shot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and a bee will not sting you unless necessary. A Wasp will just do it because, for the banter, yeah. dick. I, uh, one, a wasp once fell in, uh, well, like, flew into my uh, welly. It flew into my mate's welly, stung his leg, so I saw him jumping about and we was all laughing. The time he got it out, it had flown into my welly. <laughs> Done the same as me, so. There you go. I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I don't think I did. I kicked a wasp in the first once. Yeah, well, did it deserve it or was it. Right. So enough enough wasp talk. Uh, <laughs> let's get back to the wrestling, the real reason yeah. we're all here. Who's <laughs> looking at you, people in uh, in Georgia? Oh yeah. Um yeah, like I said, I've been derailed by wasps already. <laughs> every week this this podcast falls into more anarchy. <laughs> I just, I've just got a bit, not picture Terry Peters blocking a wasp in with a, with a pair of ladders. <laughs> oh, there's a picture available. We'll put it on the uh, the rest of around social media. There you go. Make sure uh, you follow us on the uh, at rest around on yeah, Facebook, social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to find out how and Terry now, Peters. And now YouTube. Too. And now YouTube. YouTube as well. That's it. Uh, Resting around on YouTube. So subscribe there, and then you can see little clips and will the full podcast be on there, Lou? Oh, podcast and the occasional clip as well, yes. Wonderful stuff. So if you can go like, share, subscribe, whatever you do on YouTube. That is correct. Like, share and subscribe. Go do all that for us. That will be uh, a massive help. But to get back to wrestling, we are going for the first time ever to WWF. Just about. (laughs) It's not going to be WWF for much longer. We're going to Backlash 2002. Terry Peters, did you manage to watch it without being in the fear from a wasp? <laughs> I had a wasp free viewing this morning. Yeah. So did was you at the trauma gone, or was, was you able to watch it, watch it with a, a clear mind? Um, yeah, I watched it with a clear mind. I'm very still very paranoid that there are wasps just kicking about outside now. But other than that, yeah, it was a a, a wasp free viewing, thankfully. Did you enjoy it? Eh, on the most part, yeah. I think there was a couple of matches I was disappointed with, um, but I thought there was some really good stuff in there. I, like you say, I just thought it was it was quite enjoyable, really, for the first pay-per-view after WrestleMania. Wonderful. Lou, um, any quick thoughts on Backlash? Was you um, held hostage by a flying insect? I was not, no, no flying insects uh, touch wood so far <laughs> in the flat. Um, no, I, I enjoyed it. It was an interesting time for the WWF. Oh, it was the last... America, full American paper, I think that was with the WWF name. Yeah, it was the and, British Insurrection yeah. and Judgment Day, I think. Yeah, and then after that, it was, um, and this was the first one after the brand split as well. So it was quite an interesting time in between the Attitude Era and the Ruthless Aggression area. Um, area. There you go. So it was a, uh, it was an interesting time to watch. And kind of, you kind of got like the people like Stone Cold coming out, and you got people like Hogan, but then you also got some of the, the new young upstarts as well. So I, I, I really enjoyed this pay per view. Wonderful. Right then, if we've got no more feather news to give people, we'll get tucked into it. So Backlash was at the uh, Kemper Arena, Kansas City, Missouri, 
interestingly, it was the first pay-per-view since the tragic death of Owen Hart, which was in the, the same arena. Still got 12,000 people. I think there'd been Raws in between, or definitely Raws or Smackdowns. Yeah. But uh, it's the first, the first major pay-per-view. And uh, we've this is the first WWF one we've watched. And the, the first thing I noticed was it kicked off with shots of the crowd and it made it seem exciting before anything had even happened. Whereas you get some of the early WCW ones and the ECW, well, maybe the ECW one to a point, but they, especially the early WCW ones, it kicked off with the commentators and you don't get the sense of excitement. So I thought that was classic WWF start. Um, but we did, there was a, a Triple H and Hogan promo package. Terry Peters, any thoughts on the on the promo to start oh. the show off? Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was a good build-up for what was, what is going to be the main event. Like I say, I thought it was just well put together, really, and described what was happening and how it came about. Lou, what was your thoughts on the on the, the Hogan Triple H package? Yeah, it was quite nice actually. Um, you forget how kind of like early in his career Triple H is at this point. Yeah. So obviously it wasn't. As, I mean, now when you look back at it, you think Triple H Hulk Hogan. Wow, that's huge. Um, also, it was Hollywood Hulk Hogan, so really it was Triple H versus Triple H. Yeah, hey, you get you. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, it was quite like, obviously Triple H had just main evented WrestleMania, but nobody really cared um, because everyone was cared more about the, the icon versus icon, Hulk Hogan and The Rock. Because it went on last, but it wasn't the main event. Yeah, but, I mean, it was, yeah, the main event was the uh, Hulk Hogan and, and The Rock. But no, it was quite interesting to see that kind of, this was rather than like kind of icon versus icon, this was kind of like the, the new face of the company, or, or so we thought going forwards against, against the old face. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was quite an interesting dynamic. Yeah, uh, so then we get on to JR and, and the King, Jerry Lawler on comms, uh, widely regarded as one of the best sort of tag, um, tag team commentary pairings in wrestling history. Um, before we get into the actual show, I thought JR was great. I don't think Lawler's aged very well. <laughs> it's maybe not his fault. It was sort of the time, but it wasn't his fault then. I mean, it's it's his yeah. fault that he still he still is it now. <laughs> I don't, he, he <laughs> yeah. it, um, some things that we'll get onto this because it's a particular match, but some things just don't sit right with me. There's a lot that didn't sit right with me in uh, in Lala's commentary, to be honest. Yeah, it's gross, isn't it? Some of it is horrendous, but uh, a plus point, uh, not the commentary team. The backlash set. Oh, unbelievable! Yeah. One of the best sets that you've seen? Yeah, it's always been my, my favourite because I remember I'd never seen this pay-per-view before because at this point, this was the first Backlash in a couple of years that wasn't on Channel 4. Um, but Backlash was one of the few we used to get. So it was like my first pay-per-views were Backlash. Um, and that set was amazing. I remember making out of a lot of rolled-up A4 paper um, and tinfoil the year before <laughs> um, for, my, for my figures. I absolutely loved it. I forgot that the um, the little arms like moved as well. Uh, yes. Yeah. I don't know if that's happened before. But that was exciting. Yeah. It was Terry Peters. Thoughts on the set? Loved it. The only issue I've got with those swinging arms is they don't swing in the matches when you thought they would have done as well. But other than that, it's, it's bloody lovely, isn't it? I mean, it's probably just the best one they've ever done because of the maneuverability of it. I think it's a shame that they've, they've gone back to the standard big screen everything looks the same. I think this is an era, especially where sets look different, so every show had its own feel. Yeah, so apparently they, mm. they do it now because that like sets like that would look shit on HD cameras. Um, really? So you need everything to be LED. 
right. not, not as far as like the metal ones, but like the backlash the year after where they changed it and it was that big cutout like arms around the screen. They're all made out of wood and on HD right. you can tell. Uh, right. But it, it would be nice if they kind of changed it up a little bit. Like you can still have the screens in a different position. They could still have to that's s- a, swing my it issue with, My issue with WWE now is that like every show other than WrestleMania looks exactly the same. So yeah. like, especially now with, with everything changing on the screen as well. So like you could be watching SummerSlam, which is the second biggest show of the year. And for all you know, it could just be a random episode of Raw or SmackDown because it's the exact same stage and it's the exact same ring. Yeah. They've moved away from it now. That at least they've got different colored ropes. Yeah, a little bit now, and I think they've got different. They've definitely got different sets for Raw and and I think they've got a separate set as well for for pay per views. But it's like Backlash had a theme. It was like it was Backlash, and it was exciting because it was Backlash. Whereas like now you look at like say Fastlane or um, Stomping Grounds or something like like who cares? It's just like that month's Sunday show, but it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, it's just a sort of extended Raw, isn't it? So yeah. I think they've done that, though, because it's branding. So you look at that and you automatically um, associate it with WWE rather than watching and going, oh, what's this that's on? You know, if you weren't weren't aware of it. I think that's why they've done it. I don't know if WWE need to do it, though, because they're the the top dogs, aren't they? And how many non-wrestling fans have come up to you, say you're watching, I don't know, like Ring of Honor or AEW or something, and they say, oh, is that that WWE stuff? Yeah, I think I, I, think, I just assumed it was a cost thing, to be honest. Yeah, I, was, uh, I can't imagine it's yeah. it's cheap to make those things and storing them afterwards as well. Yeah, that's true. But, um, WWE yeah. make a sort of exhibition thing of everything that you've ever done. It it'd be amazing. Yeah, there you go, Vince. I, de- I, I definitely do to it. I know you're listening, Vince Hunter, Stephanie, yeah. <laughs> Bruce, Bruce, Pitchard, Shane. Yeah, Shane, Paul Heyman. You're all listening because of course you are. Why wouldn't you be? Go back to them sets. Kevin yeah. Dunn. Kevin and, Dunn, especially. And up in the WWE Museum. Yes, up in, in the museum. Possibly in Hull as well. In Hull, Hull, England. Yeah. Hull are, uh, yeah, um, opening Hull because it's a big wrestling town. It is, yeah. <laughs> as, as we found out by this podcast. Town? Town? <laughs> it's a city, man. Oh, big wrestling city then. Half right. our, half our listeners, for some reason, I have no idea why, come from the, the great city of Hull. So I would say we should this should definitely open the WWE Museum in Hull. If you was to say... Have it next uh, to the deep. Have the deep at one end, and then next to it, just a big W. Yeah. yeah. There you go. If, if you was to compare the great listeners of Hull to, let's say, a town in, in the United States of America, Lou, where would you, what would your comparison be? Oh, no, that would be Ashburn, Georgia. Ashburn, it's probably my favourite town in, yeah. in in the US, Ashburn, Georgia. The good people of Ashburn, Georgia. Uh, <laughs> give, us, give us a shout out on social media if you're listening from Ashburn, Georgia. Thank you very much for your continued support. <laughs> but there you go. You could have sort of twin, twin WWE museums, one in Hull, one in Ashburn, Georgia. The two biggest wrestling cities in the world. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. So the first match we've got is uh, for the WWF Cruiserweight title. This was one of the titles that uh, got merged with light heavyweight, I think. Or yes. It was... It's only one of the, it's one of the only WCW titles that made it through after the yeah. merger. Still has WCW on the belt as well. Was it really? They took it off on the graphic, but like on the actual physical belt, it had a massive WCW on each side. Yep. Uh, they still, right. Oh no, I was going to say, were they still attempting that WCW thing at the time that they tried that one time, but they weren't done if they've just done the brand split, will they? No, that was the what you are referring to is the Booker T Buff Bagwell. Yeah. Match. That was yeah, before yeah. before the invasion. 
Right, okay. I was gonna when as soon as I said it I thought lighting rights have just done the thing. I wonder if that's maybe why they still had that WCW belt. Yeah, so we've got um the champion, Billy Kidman, uh, and he's facing off against Tajiri with Tari Wilson managing him. A little bit of background. Tari Wilson is I think he's Billy Kidman's girlfriend in real life. Uh, yeah, they're they're married, aren't they? Are they I married? Think, no, no, I think they're divorced now, aren't they? Oh, they were married. They were, yeah. I think. But he's She's the girlfriend of Tajiri in Storyline, and from what I can gather, Tajiri's been pretty nasty, um, forcing her to wear a sort of a kimono. She doesn't look very happy when she comes out. Billy Kidman, not in his usual jeans and white top, <laughs> which I, I don't ever remember Billy Kidman not wearing that. Um, but they have a they have a pretty good match. Uh, in, interestingly, Tajiri only forty nine years old, right right now. Oh, yeah, I then. I, I, knew, I knew he was very young thing. at the time. I knew he was I, very young at that time. Yeah. I, I thought Tajiri was about 40 back then. Harsh words. He's nine years old. That's crazy. So, Peters, what did we think of the opening match at Tajiri against Billy Kidman? I thought it was a really good match, actually. I thought it was a really good way to open the show, as we've seen from various other pay-per-views that we watched. We, the cruiserweight seemed to put on a good start to a match. I thought the crowd built into it quite a lot, which was nice. There was a bit of dodgy refereeing though in this match when Billy Kidman gets put into a tree of water, and the referee's trying to un unhook him from the the turnbuckle. He's just shaking his legs. If you're going to attempt <laughs> yeah. to do it, either do it properly or just don't do it at all. It just yeah. made it look know, a little bit stupid. Yeah. Um, and I liked there was. Tajiri sort of does a springboard off the ropes and Billy Kidman does a drop kick into Tajiri's back. I thought that was really cool. Overall, though, a really good match. Strong opening to the card for me. Um, and just after the match, I noticed that Michael Cole, in the worst green suit I have ever seen, probably slightly better than Joey Styles that we watched last week, did an interview straight after, which I thought was odd. Yeah, did that a couple of times, didn't he? Yeah. Well, Michael Cole did one, and I can't remember the bloke's name. Yeah, no, I don't I think, think it was not. The other one, it wasn't very good. I don't think he did many more of them. <laughs> he did one later on. Um, yeah, Michael Cole, his pictures haven't aged well, have they? <laughs> he ever had bloody French tips, sorry, he had a <laughs> bloody cream suit. Lou, Tajiri, Billy Kidman, good way to open the pay per view. Racist. What, what was racist? <laughs> no, the, of... the show. <laughs> no, this this the presentation. Anybody, anybody in particular? The, the presentation to Jews, I thought was a bit. Uh, okay, right. And then there was there was there was a few lines from Lola that definitely made it you're just racist. To be honest, there was there was something about uh, I can't remember, I didn't write it down, but it was something about a tall person shop in Tokyo. And there was a couple of lines about that, and there was a couple of yeah, I think they were basically the the whole idea was. You know, like um, Tajiri is just like this stereotypical harsh Japanese guy who's making his his girlfriend dressed in like baggy clothes and like in typical WWF fashion. This time, she's like, "Oh come on, I just want to just want to get my tits out." Yeah. And the um and the crowd's the crowd's cheering for it. Peters is fist bumping right there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. It just it didn't. You know, we said there's another match later on where Lola's country really doesn't edge well. Yeah. Um, and the crowd reaction certainly don't age well either in that match later on. But yeah, this one it was just a bit. I don't. The, the match itself was really good, and the crowd really got into it. It was a really good start. But I just thought the storyline behind it for me was a bit too close to the bar as it were. Best left in the past, would you say? Yeah. So they go on that. 
Go on, Peters. Can you, I also you... just say that Billy Kidman is only 45 now as well? Is he really? Yeah, he's only 45, so it just shows how young they both were at the time. Well, JR kept saying Billy Kidman's going to be the future of this business, but I don't, can't really remember him doing the right lot after this. He had a Probably, pinfall win over Hulk Hogan at this point. Yeah, that is true. I suspect the problem was he wasn't a heavyweight and only a cruiserweight, and obviously now... The, it was that style of wrestling is probably more prominent than it's ever been. Whereas at this time, it was just all about the big guys, wasn't it? Which probably yeah, that is true. Do. But then Jericho was a cruiserweight in WCW, wasn't he? Yeah, I think pro- promo wise as well. Yeah, yeah. Through. But uh, they go on nine minutes. Tajiri wins the title after doing the red mist on uh, Billy Kidman while he's in the power bump position. I don't ever remember it being red. I always thought it was green. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it's because he was a heel. If it was that it was red, and maybe if he's yeah. a face, it was green. I just thought it was a bit confusing. It looked like blood at first. Yeah, um, it was certainly different for a Japanese wrestler to be given this gimmick. <laughs> I mean, if only that stayed in the past. <laughs> is looking at you, Asuka. <laughs> but yeah, solid way to open the show. Uh, there is a little bit of an interview with Tajiri where he, again, to, to go into lose stereotype, he just purely speaks Japanese in an angry way, doesn't he? Yeah, and I think the crowds went to like, boo, he's speaking Japanese, and it's just a bit... Sometimes the presentation of, like, kind of... I get the whole national pride thing of, like, you know, you always support England if you're from England, and, like... Yeah. Uh, so I get the I get that argument behind it, but sometimes it's like, yeah, the foreign heel thing for me is just a bit like, oh, their culture's different, let's boom. I think it depends what area you grew up in as well, because you get some people... I think uh, JR is a big fan of the foreign heels, now. Yeah. I think old-school people think it's I get good it. I get it from a national rivalry... Thing, like I, I really, I really do, but I think sometimes with the uh, with this style in particular, it was just based on a lot of stereotypes, and it just didn't age well. Yeah. So moving on from that, we've got uh, Bradshaw and Farouk meet backstage, and they've um, recently been split up because they're both on different brands now, and they're a bit confusing because Bradshaw says to Farouk, "You look well," even though the brand split was two weeks ago. They've <laughs> 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 only not seen each other for two weeks, not two years. But the, the, the crowd then seemed to want APA. There was a bit of an APA chant then. Yeah. And especially going into the next match, which is Scott Hall, accompanied by X-Pac, against Bradshaw. Uh, there's a massive APA chant, especially when Bradshaw comes out. Scott Hall comes out with X-Pac. X-Pac's wearing Kane's mask. He's never really alluded to. I think they said, there's Kane's mask, they beat him up. The the yeah. NWO injured him, didn't they? I think that was that was the, the story behind it. So obviously he then wears Kane's mask. But they are former tag partners, aren't they as well? There was it, I seem to remember X Pac and Kane being in a feud that lasted about ten years. I think it was over Tory, not Tory Wilson, just someone the Tory. Original, the original, the original Tory, Tory. Yeah. yeah. She's not Kane's girlfriend, and then she. I think so, and then turned on him. When it, DX were heels. Y- yeah. Again. Who knows? Yeah, so X-Pac's accompanying Scott Hall. They decided to go to do a two-on-one on Bradshaw, and out comes Farouk, and they're surprised that shocks nobody. <laughs> to get even more APA chance. There's a lot of a, a lot of heat on X-Pac. He's, he's not not a popular yeah. man. It's quite interesting. One month prior to this at WrestleMania, Scott Hall was facing Stone Cold. And then a month later after this, Scott Hall's out of the, out of the rest of WWF. I thought he saw the come in and he's dropped, you know, he's on the second match of Backlash against 
Bradshaw who'd not got over at all as a singles wrestler. Yeah, I presume this was like another attempt to get Bradshaw to be a singles star. Yeah. Yeah. There's been quite a few over the years, and obviously, like, I think it was, oh, it's still like another two or three years until JBL kicked in. Definitely, yeah. Four or five ish. Yeah. But yeah, I found that interesting, but it kind of annoyed me that they they didn't the brand split. It annoys when WWF come up with these rules, or WWE now. Like, we're going to have a pay per view that's got all these gimmick matches on. And then they just don't stick to their own rules that they've made. Like, they have the brand split, and then it's like two weeks later, it's like, yeah, I'm just going to help out my mate who's on the other brand. Yeah. What wound me up about that? Why split them up? What what worried me up about the brand split is tag teams couldn't be moved together. They had to pick them as individuals. But then the NWO came as one whole package. Yeah, they just sort of... I think even Bruce Pritchard says they they do sometimes they do the brand split and then realise, oh, actually, this doesn't work very well, so they just move people over. Yeah. And Triple H got moved. He went to SmackDown, then got moved back to Raw. They just put him back on Raw. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm... It's kind of surprising Bradshaw didn't get over because he was over like Ellen, the APA. He was obviously all chanting for the APA, but do you think it was maybe because his character was a bit too similar to Stone Cold? They're both Texans who drink beer. They like to beat people up. Rather than... He's just a sort of a bit of a copy, isn't he? <laughs> well, I think a lot of the APA, the, it was the chemistry between them. You know, when yeah. he used to have that, um, that office with the random door that people had to go through. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Backstage and, and things like that. So... Yeah, I just don't think he had enough personality at the. T- I mean, obviously we know he had the personality in him. But it wasn't, show- it wasn't showing out at the time. Yeah, it just didn't really. It was just Farouk's mate. There was nothing to differentiate him from anyone else. I, was say, I think the problem is he's still very APA based at this point. They've yeah. still got the, they've got the same music. They're both wearing near enough the same clothes as what they did when they were a tag team. I don't think that helps either if you're trying to get over as a single star. Yeah, he did have APA on his on his trousers, didn't he? Yeah. But interestingly, this match, just speaking of the office, this match has come about because NWO smashed up the APA's office. So that's why we've got this match. <laughs> they only go five minutes. Uh, it's very hard, very stiff. I don't think I'd like to be either of the, <laughs> either of the guys in it. Uh, but Bradshaw hits a clothesline. X-Pac then um, puts... Uh, Scott Hall's foot on the rope. The referee obviously stops the count. So Farouk tries to deal with X-Pac, grabs him, smashes him against the ring post. For some reason, Bradshaw and the ref are both looking at the outside. Hall hits the low blow and then wins by grabbing the tights. Obviously not either of their best work, but Peters, what did you think of the Scott Hall versus Bradshaw match? Eh. Meh. Meh. I noticed... There's a Bradshaw does a clothesline from hell, and the ref goes to count the pin, and he's almost straddling Bradshaw as well, which was odd. And then on the actual pin that won the match for Scott Hall, he's sort of rolling backwards. And if honestly, if that pin had gone on for a second longer, Bradshaw would have just rolled through, and his shoulders would have come off the mat. It 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 all just seemed a bit misjoint, disjointed for me, and a bit sluggish. Not yeah. it was all about Farouk coming down, I think, on this one. Yeah. It was sort of just a slugfest on it. Do you agree with that, that, Lou? Yeah, it's just just what I thought it was. I think it was kind of, if any match showed, like, what a disappointment the end of the year in the WWE was, or turned out to be, this is probably it. Like, they come in, like, it was only two months earlier. Hogan, Hall and Nash came in. You know, it's the end of the year, finally in the WF, this is amazing. And then, like, two months later, it's just 
all that's left is Scott and X-Pac and a fighting Bradshaw in like the second match for pay-per-view. Uh, so Hogan's obviously left. Hogan's right? left. And Nash, Nash was injured? suspended, which I presume is because he was injured. Yeah, they announced yeah. he was suspended. Right. Indefinitely, which I presume he'd burst his quad. I think, uh, I think they did because um, then following Raw, Big Show joins the yeah. And then the Big Show joins, and I think later on, Booker T and Shawn Michaels end up joining. I'll let Shawn Michaels in the rest I'm, of the time. Booker T joins and gets the... thrown out, doesn't he? Yeah. I remember one of the wrestling games, Shawn Michaels was part of the NWO. Shawn Michaels yeah. definitely comes back and joins the NWO. Yeah, and I just remember it finishing with Vince just coming out to the NWO's music and going, yeah, well, that's it. And that was the end of it. Like, yeah. It was just really entrance, disappointing. I thought the entrance was really cool, though, the black and white, how it all slows down. And, and it's the, like, yeah. Oh, the, the entrance is good. Of it. It's, it's such it, a good music, and it's yeah. like such a good aesthetic, the NWO. Like, I love the NWO. I'm a big fan. Obviously, I'm a big fan of WCW. As, as, we've, as we've learned. And I absolutely love the NWO, but it was just... And because I got back into wrestling, so I'd, I wasn't watching wrestling this time. And when you got back out and you start looking at stuff, you think, bloody hell, the NWO in WWE, that was that must have been cool. And you look back and it's this. <laughs> You're like, okay, maybe not. It wasn't yeah. as good as I imagined so, it to be. Some things they just need to let die, don't they? Don't, they I, everyone always wants teams to come back or people to come back. And some just... No, it was we enjoyed it. it yeah. It's been and done. They probably should have just ended it after WrestleMania 18. Like it was a good six-week storyline to get you to WrestleMania 18. But yeah, once uh, Nash got injured as well, it's just like why limp on? Like nobody likes X Pac at this point. Like really, just don't like him. I just don't care for him. Yeah. In the same way that you know, I probably see Dolph Ziggler now. Yeah. It's not even like oh, I hear you, you're heel. It's just you're boring. Get off the TV. Yeah, a lot of um, fans would say that about Baron Corbin, but that... yeah. I think Corbin's absolutely brilliant. But I, yeah. I think Corbin's great. Yeah, he should have been Prime Minister. Oh, wait. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just thought it was just... Yeah, symptomatic of, of the issues the NWO had in the WWF for all kind of in this match. Yeah, so they only go five minutes. It's probably about right. And then we go on to another backstage segment. And this time we've got Vince and Ric Flair. So Vince uh, and Ric Flair are the co-owners. Ric Flair's in charge of Raw. Vince is in charge of SmackDown. Flair's obviously joined by Arn Anderson. <laughs> of course, yeah. Because <laughs> you can't see Flair about Arn. And Vince is discussing Flair's decision to put himself as special guest referee in the Austin Taker match, which is going to be later on for the undisputed number one contender for the undisputed uh, heavyweight title. And Flair basically says, I'll never be like you, Vince McMahon. <laughs> Seems that it just a bit... I get why they've done it, haven't they, to put some more eyes on the match, but... I didn't think it was that necessary. Nothing got moved on. I don't like segments where nothing gets moved on. No, I guess like long term, them two are feuding, aren't they? Because one yeah. on draw, one on SmackDown. They're trying the to get the, the brand feuding, aren't they? Just but, a word on Ric Flair's office. That potted plant in what's quite clearly a locker room. Incredible. <laughs> Absolutely I, incredible. I miss when the offices used to learn this. Because like when, on, nowadays, like on WWE... They've got like full backgrounds for the offices, and it's like it looks no different to the interview set. Whereas this is like classic. Yeah. We, you know, we need to put it. We need to make an office somewhere. I think it, I think it's really good. It's, it's like, like Commissioner Foley, wasn't it? When he he had offices all over the place. I'm pretty sure once he was just in like a cleaner's cupboard as his office that one night. Yeah. It was it was incredible. Yeah, I like the back the backstage look a bit different because you are in different arena over time. Why not Why not show it? Yeah, I think my favorite set of offices was uh, Commissioner Regal. He always had a he always had a good office, didn't he? There's yeah. always some sort of massive desk in there. Was it, was it, would they, right, go up, we'll, we'll segue a bit here. Um, Lou, favourite GM or authority figure of all time? Uh, it's, it's difficult. I did like, yeah, Regal at any point. 
early two thousands Regal was great, but also is also it like when, he, when, when he was king of the ring, yeah, when he yeah. was king of the ring. But also the one that I found absolutely hilarious was uh, Mike Adamley. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, how you, how you do, Dave? Like, that, that was absolutely fantastic. Um, oh. But I don't think he's ever been like the full-on general manager himself. I think he's always been an assistant or something. But I've got a lot of love for the coach. The coach. coach. Who we'll, we'll yeah. makes an appearance later on in the yes. show, but we'll, we'll get to that. Right, same question to you, Terry Peters. Favourite authority figure? I've got two. Two? Go I've on. got Teddy Long. Who also Bishop. makes an appearance in the, <laughs> in the pay-per-view later on. And oh, Bischoff. Purely because that is when I started watching wrestling again. Before, like in the ruthless aggression era. So WWE Bischoff. Yeah. And that's when I was starting to get back into it again. And I just thought they were both really good characters. I think I've grown to appreciate Teddy Long as I've watched it a bit longer now. The more than what I did at the time. But yeah, I thought they were both really cool. I think weirdly the first Raw that I watched when I got back into wrestling all the way through was the one where Bischoff got fired. Oh, I think yeah. I, was, I was watching long before that. And they stuck him in a dump truck. Yeah. Yeah. And put him in a dump truck at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was Imagine. the first full episode of Raw that I got back into. And I I mean, it would have been, been better if he'd gone one. This is good. <laughs> and I kind of watched it. Yeah. It would have been better if he'd gone one on one on one on one with the Undertaker player. Yeah. <laughs> or in a tag team match. Yeah. <laughs> I think my favorite authority figure would have to be Regal, but specifically. During the Santino, Morella, Maria, and Ron Simmons era of Raw. Oh, <laughs> well, he was the, uh, the game show host. Yeah, yeah. I think that is. I can't remember any decisions he made, but. <laughs> you, uh, that, you, you don't show. need to make decisions, do you? When the WWE Dane game. The WWE Dane game is one of the best segments I've ever seen in wrestling. <laughs> like The people who said there's no room for comedy in wrestling are wrong. Just completely yeah. wrong. That oh, was fantastic. Absolutely great. But uh, moving back into 2002, we've got uh, a women's championship match this time. We've got Jazz, the champion, facing off against Trish Stratus. Um, so Trish beat Molly Holly on Raw to become number one contender. Uh, Molly tried to grab Trish's tights. Trish then grabbed Molly's tights to get the pin. So after Trish comes out, Molly Holly comes out and cuts a promo saying they don't deserve a cheat to win. And, you know... She's kind of right. <laughs> she's she's got a point. Yeah. Well, the crowd are booing her out the building. She then hits Trish with a microphone, throws her into the steps before Jazz comes out. <laughs> I'm just reading my notes here. I've just put suspect comments from King. Uncomfortable. Mm. <laughs> um, I thought the match itself was a lot better than I ever thought a match in 2002 would be between the women. I thought the match was actually quite good for what it no, wasn't. This is a really good time for women's wrestling. Like Before the, the women's evolution, before people like Charlotte, Becky and Sasha came through, this was like the strongest the roster had been, I think, for like... I don't know if Victoria was here yet, but she would be on her way if she yeah. wasn't already. Um, yeah, Trish, you know, Lita, yeah. You know, Molly was always like really solid, and like I don't think she gets the credit she deserves. No. Uh, jazz was really good as well. Enough, I don't think. Yeah. I thought jazz, jazz, jazz looked really good. I know, obviously, this is sort of the start of Trish. She obviously goes yeah. on to become better. Yeah, because it was weird that she didn't come out with the uh, the little Kim music. But yeah. Kind yeah. of rock and roll. It just didn't, yeah. didn't happen, did it? That was jarring. I thought Jazz looked great. I'm, su- and I'm just kind of surprised. She, you don't really think of Jazz, do you? When you say, she's, like, a, when she's, still, she's still on the go now, Jazz. She's very scary looking. Though, isn't yeah, it? yeah. You won't, you won't want to be on the, the wrong side of her. She'd definitely yeah. give me like, an ass whipping. Unless you're king and you like that kind of stuff. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what, 
Dieters, what was your thoughts on, on the match? No, I, I agree with you. I've, I've wrote down in the context of sort of what women's wrestling was at, maybe at this time and then certainly in a couple of years' time, I thought it was a really good match. I thought you could you could see the different. I've watched Trish in sort of 2000 in a few bits from when I was younger with videos that I had. And just the sort of how she's come on in those couple of years is quite amazing, even with the high kicks. And then you sort of just see how she then evolved even further in a couple of years. Um, yeah, really good for me, to be fair, for, for a short match. Lou, your thoughts on Trish Stratus versus Jazz? Yeah, same as Peter's. Like, it's disappointing. I mean, four minutes is probably quite good in this era to get. Yeah, yeah. Um, even though it's, it's kind of disappointing when it's the only women's match on the card and it's, it's the shortest match as well, I think. Probably just about, or one of the shortest at least. But it was a good story at the all, obviously, the attack from Molly at the beginning, um, which meant, like, you know, Trish Stratus had an out for tapping out. Yeah, and she she lasted a long time in that. Is it Boston Crab Fest before she went into the SCF? Yeah, Boston Crab Fest. Yeah. Yeah. So she looked she looks like really resilient and eventually she had to tap out. So it's a really good story they told in the in the time that they had. Yeah. So Jazz wins uh, via submission with the STF, and then we've got the second sort of ringside interview where Jazz doesn't say a thing. So we've had two interviews. One one guy spoke nothing but Japanese, yeah. and the second woman didn't say out at all. So um, pretty pointless. Yeah. <laughs> and then and the guy interviews. actually announced Trish Stratus' name wrong as well. He said a name wrong. He said Trish Status, I think, and then corrected himself. Uh, but they, that's probably why none of us can tell you his name, because he didn't last long, did he? Yeah, that's probably why I want to show him off, didn't he? They mentioned his name later on, but I don't, I've no idea what it was. Uh, well, let's, have a, let's Google him. I know my track record is awful at Googling. Okay, so what's going to happen to this guy? <laughs> I mean, if you find anything here, I'll be amazed. I think he's on the official Wikipedia article. That's what I was going to check, to be honest. Like, that's that's the... Um, as far as the, we go. We that's Google. as far as my Googling goes. So who is he? No, he's not on there. It says backstage interviews. He's just got Michael Cole and Jonathan Coachman. Uh, oh, no. He's either one of them. Un- right. unnamed, but unnamed announcer, if you're listening. Yeah, Sorry. as you probably are. Of course, he's listening. Who's not listening? Yeah. It's probably in Ashburn, GA, it's from, isn't it? It's from Ashburn, Georgia, yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Um, and then, so we go from a very creepy king to a very creepy Paul Heyman. <laughs> this, this, oh, <laughs> video, God, this is bizarre. <laughs> we've got a video package of the upcoming match between Lesnar and Jeff Hardy. And uh, it starts off with him in, in Lita's dressing room. Fondling? They're uh, sort of unmentionables. Let's leave it's it there. A thong. Yeah, it's a thong. If you say she's fondling her it sounds a lot worse than what's actually going <laughs> on. Right. Yeah. Fondling. Who was her underwear? Who was her underwear? Like, uh, her underwear. Uh, he, then t- <laughs> he then tells Leah, do you want to play nice or play naughty Ugh. with him? Which it's just gross from start to finish. Leah slaps him as you would. And then he says he likes to play rough. <laughs> and basically gets Lesnar. Well, so before Lesnar comes out, Heyman's on the stage. The Hardys are in the ring with Leah. Heyman's on the stage with somehow a suitcase just full of underwear. Yeah. <laughs> it's, apparently Leah don't wear anything else. <laughs> Matt Hardy obviously comes out to stop him because Leah's his girlfriend. Lesnar just destroys him. That F5 yeah. on the arena, on the stage area, looks brutal. You forget. Absolutely looks brutal. like it hurts him as well, though, because he's got to do a back bump on that steel. Yeah, you forget how ripped Lesnar was when he came in. Do you? Yeah. When he's his 
He, what is he like 23 just an absolute prime specimen yeah. <laughs> so we got onto the the lesnar uh, with him and against jeff hardy with lita lesnar's first official match in wwe not wwf it's something that shocks me because it's quite a high profile field to come in with but he's obviously been labeled as the next big thing already um and if you believe certain reports they had the people in ovw actually had to say no he needs to learn here because I think they wanted to just fast track him straight through to the main roster, yeah. didn't they? As soon as well, he was, he was champion by SummerSlam. Yeah, unbelievable. Because um, he wasn't even there before he left. He wasn't even there that long, was he? Two years, exactly two years. Yeah, he he yeah. won WrestleMania 20. And he won everything. He won King of the Ring, Headline WrestleMania, won the Royal Rumble. Unbelievable. Everything. So, yeah, absolutely great match. And so he's against Jeff Hardy. What did we think of this? Didn't go very long. Lesnar. So it beats Hardy into submission. So Rob's favourite general manager, Teddy Long, says you go in one on one with the Undertaker. No, sorry. <laughs> Teddy Long throws it out. <laughs> it's interesting to, to say that Lesnar and him have been together from the start and they're still together now. Lesnar's going going to pin him after the F five. And Lesnar no, Heyman says hurt him instead. So multiple power bombs, which all looked absolutely sickening. I wish, he, I wish he still did that move. I think that move's great. That multiple power bombs. Yeah. I wish he did that more often now. They do a slow mo of um one of the power bombs and Jeff's Hardy Jeff Hardy's head just bounces straight off the canvas as well. Just looks... it looked horrendous. Yeah. And then the referee Terry, Teddy Long throws it out. What right, out player. Sort of a glorified squash, but I thought Hardy got enough in there to sort of prove how God, this Lesnar is a beast. He's kicked yeah. out all this. Lou, what did we think of the match as a whole? The match itself was the story it needed to tell. Just back onto him and beforehand. Like, yeah. That was the fucking serious thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it but it worked so well. I think what... It was horrible. What even better was like, this guy's got a ponytail <laughs> down to his back. But he's got no fucking hair on the top of his head. Like, <laughs> he just looks like the serious character possible. I don't think that promo would have worked anywhere else. Yeah, as well as it did with uh, with him, and obviously, like you know, Vince likes to just kind of wind him up and just get that kind of side of him. But him does it so well. Yeah, it was oh uh, yeah, it was weird as hell. But the the match itself was like exactly what it needed to be. Hardy got a bit of offense in because Hardy was like not a massive star at this point, but he was like a big tag team star. Like they were still in a tag team, so they weren't. He wasn't at the main event level that he get he eventually gets Every, to. Everybody knew who he was though, didn't they? But yeah, he was always he was a big him. big crowd favorite, a big favorite yeah. of the. Uh, especially but yeah Lesnar just looks absolutely vicious Heyman looks even more vicious just telling Lesnar to continue you know Teddy Long looked like a good conscientious referee and would, would get that more in his Smackdown GM role so that was nice yeah. and uh, uh Lisa looks a bit well not weak because what's she gonna do but it was a bit considering what a talented wrestler is to kind of just kind of put her in a damsel in distress role is a bit of a waste yeah Really, I did think at one point when Lesnar kept looking back at the end of the match, and she was just a bit like, <laughs> "I thought, oh, shit, he's, he's going to go for her now." I don't know if that happened later on. Like around that time, I think that thing could, would still happen on a regular basis. I it must think, have happened on a Raw. I think there is a match. There's a feud continues because there is a match yeah. with the Hardys against Lesnar and Herman. Yeah, but I thought the deal is going to go for her now, like an absolute sicker. But yeah, obviously it didn't happen. It just looks savage. But speaking of people nowhere on the top of the Reds, Terry Peters, what did you think? <laughs> What did you think of the match? <laughs> There's a list of complaints going up again. <laughs> I think it it was it was what it was. I think it put Brock over and made him look really strong. I, it didn't weaken Jeff for me because he got knocked out rather than pinned or submitted. So it made, it carried on with Jeff 
looking looking strong to me. I noticed they did get quite a big pop as well, actually. So I think this was sort of when the Hardy Boys were maybe coming towards the height of their popularity before going their separate ways. Because I, I don't know how long it was before they went to separate ways, but I don't think it was too long after this. Yeah, I think, did they get was it? split up the year after? Yeah, was I was going to say, I don't think they had too long left after The it. year after, Jeff goes to... And Jeff already had his hardcore match with Undertaker. Yeah, Jeff's like sort of breakout matches. I think that was that this year because Undertaker wins the um, Undisputed Championship at the so, next pay per view. Yeah, or next full, the next full pay per view because the insurrection in between. And then, so I think it must be that summer. Yeah, definitely earmarked Hardy for the start. And then he does he go to Raw, doesn't he? And Lita goes to Raw. Yeah, and then, like, and then I think Mac goes to SmackDown, doesn't he? Goes to SmackDown, then goes to Raw or something because like, he goes V one Mac, which is, we'll get onto that if we recover yeah. that. But V one Mac is great. I think Jeff ends up in TNA not too long after this. Yeah. Yeah. It's... But yeah, like I say, I think, I'd, same as Lou, really. Like I say, I thought it was good for, for what it was. It did, it did what it needed to do. I think they have a place in, in wrestling squash matches for me. You know, the wrestling, you, you want it to look like a sport, do you? And it's not every match. If you look at football, you look at boxing, you look at anything. They're not all competitive, are they? Like, how many times have we seen, let's like, say, football Man City just beat someone 6-0? Not all matches are competitive. And boxing, somebody gets knocked out in the first round. So you think, yeah. oh, this is going to go. Not every match has to be 12 rounds dead close. And I think they've definitely got a place in, especially if you're trying to build up a monster as Lesnar. Like you, nobody's ever seen anything like this. No, it's a freaking air show, isn't it? Yeah. I thought it made Lesnar look incredible first match. And he just, it's Jeff Hardy into, <laughs> into submission, basically. Yeah. He can't carry on. Great match. Great five minutes. And then we move on to... Sorry, just to rewind one minute, I did notice at the end JR says there may be a day when Brock Lesnar is untouchable. Yeah, it's called 2020. Oh, well, 2012 onwards, JR, that's, that's what it is. I still like Lesnar. I think Lesnar's got a place. He's got a place, but I think there's over. There's it's a bit overkill for me sometimes, but what can you do? I also noticed as well, blue chairs, blue steel chairs. Bring them back. Yeah, That's where right. it came from because they always used to be in the games as blue chairs, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, it's time. But obviously now they're always just the black steel chairs again. Now, yeah. they, so. I remember yeah. having a wrestling figure. It was actually this match. It was a Jeff Hardy wrestling figure and he came with a, a blue steel chair, <laughs> which is one of my favourite figures that I had. <laughs> but yeah, we move on to that match and we got to uh, a match between two of the original SmackDown 6 Care Angle against Edge. There's a good promo to show it because they've obviously had a lot of history. I think uh, Angle was part of, well, he joined forces of Edge and Christian in for a little bit. And then Edge beats him at, is it for the US title, I think? Previously, it was like one of Edge's standout matches. Angle's not happy with it, thinks he can beat anybody in the world. Him and Edge sort of have a, a little to and fro. And then one of the best sort of backstage segments most people remember is where Edge gives Angle all the pictures all of them say things on the back like you suck one says I have no testicles <laughs> <laughs> Angle obviously fans out and then they sort of get into quite a, quite a heated feud good promo to, to start and then first things notice Angle comes out and there's a massive you suck chant because I don't know how many people know this but it, the reason people say you suck at Angle is from Edge yeah it's from this feud. Um, and then after Angle comes out, Edge gets an absolutely huge pop. You sort of forget how big of a... Well, he, wanted, 
This is sort of him starting to be a star, wasn't it? So he obviously broke up with Christie and he'd been faced for a while. But I don't know, for me, you, you think of Edge, you think of the sort of smarmy heel who wins at all costs. You don't really think of this sort of baby face. Tell me, what you think of the baby face Edge? I, I thought it was fine, to be fair. I think it worked. In, in the context of this match and storyline, I thought it worked well. I thought the whole... This was probably my favourite match of the night, I'd say. I would second that. Or, or certainly joint favourite anyway with the with the next match. But I think these two just put on such... They, there was obviously some chemist, in-ring chemistry there. And it just showed. It, this match was unbelievable for me. I noticed Edge was doing the, a lot of aerial moves that he maybe didn't do later on in his career. I do wonder if his broken neck played into that. Because I don't think that was too far after this match either, was it? I was thinking that, but is, do you think maybe in my it was because he's turned heel, so you don't want to do the moves that get you over? Because yeah, he's one of the last wrestlers to think, oh, if I'm a heel, I'm a heel. I don't yeah. care. Being liked by the fans. But those as well, <laughs> Angle runs up the turnbuckles and does a belly to belly suplex off the top. That was just unbelievable to watch. You forget though, how much of an abs because he he's not he's not aged well as he angled, but he's an absolute freak on it back then. Just he had everything. He, he had everything. There's nothing that he didn't have. And the, the thing was, they both had the charisma, didn't they, to carry over their gimmicks? And it, I think that showed in this match with the video package as well. It was yeah. just for me, like you say, it just worked so so well. Lou, big fan, I know. Big fan. Lou, I know. Edge's uh, personal favorite of yours. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, Edge is, Edge is like probably my my favorite. Well, he is my favorite wrestler of all time. Um, close friend you know, as well, isn't as he? As a close wrestler friend, obviously, yeah, we've, we've we've been lucky enough to meet and uh, yeah, close wrestler friend. He decided to grow his hair and beard out again after meeting me. Yeah, thank you for uh, listening, Edge. Yeah, thank you for listening. <laughs> thank you for listening, Edge. I'll I'll text you later. Sorry, we'll go for a pint when this is all over. Um, but <laughs> I, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it. I kind of enjoyed um, Edge's. I forgot he had this theme tune. The uh, the Rob Zombie. <laughs> He hasn't, he hasn't had it for a couple of years, I believe. Yeah, he had it for a couple I, of years, but it was I a couple of years that I didn't watch it. Yeah. You don't like it, Peters? No, I listened to this song a lot when I was ah, younger. Right. It was on one of the wrestling games, and again, incredible. Just incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, Edge is like, I don't know, like, I know Edge wasn't a big star at this point, but even when I was watching the Attitude Era, Edge was like always my favourite. I think it was the the combination of the athletic moves, the guy, the guy over, as we, as we said earlier, and I think the, the, the charisma that he has as well. Like, obviously, he started off as this, like, brood and heel. But then it like, turned out, actually, it's just a really funny block. And he managed to get that into a really good crowd reaction. Yeah, it's definitely a, a breakout feud for him, right? Because he'd already won King of the Ring at this point. He feuded with Christian. Yeah. Um, he'd had a yeah, couple of that was, title That wins. was a disappointing time for them to fuse, to be honest. Um, yeah. It, in the middle of the invasion angles, and no one really cared. It was overshadowed, wasn't it, by yeah. all that was going on. That was that was a, dis- that was a disappointment. Because they only tagged together for like three years, which is insane, considering one of the greatest tag teams of all time. I'd, again, I think there's a certain. We said this. I said this about ECW. Either uh, last week or the week before. The things go too long, don't they? Sometimes, and you, you forget how good they was. So, yeah. so Edge and Christian only went three years. You didn't have time for you to get bored of them. No, and I think it's sure that they, they both had the charisma to break out as single stars. Like, yeah, you always put them together with the Dudleys and the Hardys. They're the only tag team out of those who both went on to win world championships in WWE. Yeah, that is true. 
And I think they were the the only ones who could who really had enough charisma and enough skill. Not like the others good. Like you know, obviously Bubba Ray, Devon are really good, especially mm. Bubba Ray. And he's, he's Bully Ray, Matt Hardy, and he's broken. And Hardy's one of my favorite gimmicks. But like yeah. to make it to the mainland level, there's only Edge and Christian who both managed to do that. Um, out of that that kind of set of six superstars, which I thought was really good, and showed just you know how good they both are. Um, and this match was like at the first I was like, oh, this is a bit slower than what I thought, but. God damn, the crowd got into it as it went on. Yeah, I thought the it crowd was absolutely, was absolutely fantastic. And I like the story they were telling of, like, yeah, just the story was that, like, as much heart and grit that Edge has, like, Kurt Angle's a better wrestler. Yeah. Um, and it was just the cleverness of just sticking the knee up at the right time when he went for the spear. Yeah. Um, I like. I did enjoy the spot where Kurt hit himself in the face with the chair. <laughs> you don't see <laughs> it often, do you? You don't see I, it. I, I had looked at the results before, but I was like, oh, I'm convinced that that was, a, that was going to be the free count right there. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she takes off in the face of a chair. But I like the story they told of like it was another thing that Edge had to overcome. And I think yeah. I think you beat him at Judgment Day after this. Um I was just about to bring that up. If you liked this match, the hair vs hair match at Judgment Day is ten times better. because yeah, I looked at the Judgment Day card and it was basically the same card as this as yeah. this for the most part. I think like, you know, seven out of the nine matches were exactly the same. Yeah, because Judgment Day, the pay-per-view after this. But yeah, you've got Insurrection. Yeah, between... bar in the Insurrection. Yeah. Insurrection, but I don't really count, does it? It's only for no. the Skybox office, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that match is, if you go out your way to see that, because it's a great match. And then it carries on through the through, throughout the pay-per-view, because Angle doesn't want his head shaving. So <laughs> three matches later, it finally happens, because yeah. it runs off. <laughs> well, I would say about Edge is, if you watch this match in isolation and you didn't know what Edge come on, you would be shocked to hear that he didn't become the one of the faces of the company. Yeah. Because he looked, the crowd was so into him. Well, and I think he would have done if it wasn't the combination of him getting injured and then the whole, the whole Matt Hardy and Lita thing meant he just yeah. had to be the biggest heel in the company. Well, yeah, it worked out for him. And obviously, <laughs> you know, and John Cena came up at the same time as well, which you didn't know was going to happen at this point. Yeah. But it was uh, a great match. They go 13 minutes. Angle wins after the angle slam, but before that, like Lou said, he hits himself in the face with a chair. He goes to the edge, it's the ropes, <laughs> smashes himself in the face. He then blocks the spear, turns it into an angle slam. Uh, for me, the best match on the card by far. Could have done with a couple more minutes, and we'll, we'll get to where I think they could have took it from. Yeah. <laughs> one, on. obvious, one obvious contender. <laughs> uh, jazz. Yeah. <laughs> Is he in jazz? Come on. <laughs> Uh, a great match uh, and then we go on to uh, another Canadian Chris Jericho comes out doesn't have a match uh, he was headliner of the last Wrestlemania as the first ever Undisputed Champion he lost his belt to Triple H and he's completely didn't have a match he's, what I thought was really good about this promo was it uh, he cuts down the watch on because oh, this is Austin, they've been doing it for about a year, and they? They, when yeah. someone says something, the crowd goes, what? They still do it now. And they still do it now, and not many people can deal with it. There's no. certain, certain people can't. Vince can. Yeah, Vince, Vince and Stephanie can come both <laughs> yeah. Maybe because, I don't know if this was scripted or not, but definitely in the future, scripted promos, because obviously they learn it line by line. They have natural breaks where they finish a line and then the crowd can get the what in. But Jericho just talks to them, and they don't get to try it. <laughs> and they soon stop after about two because they're like, well, this isn't going to work. But he calls Hogan a has-been, which is interesting because Hogan at this time is 48. Chris Jericho now, we're still at the top of his company, he's 49. 
<laughs> Hogan was only 48. That's the most surprising yeah, thing. I was going to say, Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. Hogan's in his 60s. Oh. <laughs> Peters, what did we think of the Jericho promo? Incredible shirt. Incredible shirt. And trousers. Don't and forget his sort of red trousers. And red, to- and red ponytail. In- incredible. Just yeah. incredible. Look. Yeah, forget that era of Jericho where he had the, those sort was of Was like, this the red... Ayatollah rock and roller era or was that a bit later on? Because that happened as yeah. well, didn't it? I thought that was before. before. That might have been before. Was that, that was a bit that, before? When he, oh, yeah. when he moved over, he had loads of nicknames for himself, didn't he? Yeah. But overall, again, like you just said, I, you know what you're getting with Jericho, don't you? It's always going to be good on the mic. It just, And like you say, it, again, told the story of what he's feeling. And to be fair, I, it is weird to think that he didn't, have a match at all on the card despite headlining WrestleMania the month before as champion. I think I I, I know obviously still, it's storyline, but and they, I, they probably don't for that reason. I think, man. I think this did more for his character than having yeah, a match. That's that's what I mean, sorry. Seems, but it, it is bizarre yeah. to think that. Yeah, I think it was because the um I don't think they ever planned to do Hogan and Triple H. I yeah, know because I, I think Triple H and Jericho continues after this because they go to Hell in a Cell match at Judgment Day. Yeah. Which probably would have happened here if they didn't go to Hogan and Triple H. I think just the reaction that Hogan got at WrestleMania 18. And I think they were yes. like, like, sure, let's get a bet on him. And I think, well, obviously we'll get to it, but I think that's why they play so heavily that Hulkamania is back as well. Because yeah. obviously he was NWO, wasn't he, the month before. So I think as well, Triple H asked to work with Hogan. I mean, you say what you want about Triple H, he's obviously got an eye for business. He must have, he must have seen that match and thought, I'm going to work with him. Yeah. I'm going to work with Iconic stare down. Yeah, but yeah, I thought this worked well for Jericho. Yeah, he didn't have a match, but he had the promo, and I thought sometimes promos work better than matches. I thought this was definitely one of them occasions. I then go to backstage, and uh, Rick Flair's in his referee shirt, which you've got to love. You've got to love a referee, a, a, a wrestler in the referee uh, shirt. No, he, he looked like a, he looked like an old man. He's on his, <laughs> he's on his like you know, he's he's holding home on the cost of the old soul. And he's like, oh, I'm just popping down to gym, love, and he just pops down with his bleach blonde hair and his ridiculous tan. And his referee shirt that somehow opens all the way down to his chest, <laughs> even though he's like 60. Oh, I thought he looked absolutely ridiculous. You know, no, well, we'll get on to when he, I... he looked like, you know, I don't want to say, he looked, like, he looked a bit like Max Clifford. Let's <laughs> go. Oh, oh, Jesus God. Christ. Bleed that bit out. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> oh, don't. Don't Google it. You don't have to. <laughs> Obviously, Ric Flair is accompanied by Ann Anderson. Cause... Of course. So, like, if I've been watching wrestling for 20 years now, probably. I've never known Ann Anderson be anything other than Ric Flair's mate. Like, <laughs> and you hear all these things about, like, oh, yeah, he's, like, one of the greatest. Like, oh, no one wears like Ann. If you're like, say, if you're, like, under 35, have you ever seen Ann Anderson be anything other than just Ric Flair's mate? No. He's, like... He's like, disappointingly, he's like Ric Flair's Jimmy Hart. Yeah. There's iconic duos, isn't there? That you got ham and cheese, sponge and custard, Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. Just I they mean, just it, go it, together, don't they? Which is weird because the gimmick's done at all. Like he's like a non-answered hard man, and then uh, Ric Flair's just like bleach blonde, tanned yeah. old guy. <laughs> yeah, I think no. What you're saying, Elo, is. Aaron Anderson, if I remember correctly, on one of his podcasts, he has a botched neck surgery, doesn't he? And he got to stop wrestling early, which yeah. is why you probably saw him as... Because he stopped wrestling at, like, 35. Hogan's 49, 48. Yeah. So he could have gone on. Ric Flair's about 103, you know? <laughs> From Ric Flair. Yeah. Yeah. 
but yeah, we've got Ric Flair and his best pal Arn Anderson getting stared down by Undertaker. A badass under this is American badass Undertaker with a short hair, which mm. we, all, <laughs> we all forget. Mm. <laughs> yeah. uh, then we go on to uh, the Intercontinental Championship match. This is between Eddie Guerrero and the current champion RVD. Eddie Guerrero only came back into the company shortly before this is his first match back or definitely first pay-per-view back he was released in 2001 spent a year on the independent circuit interestingly this is one for all you sort of hardcore wrestling fans he had a match with cm punk i can't remember the other guy is now is it chris Benoit? no i don't think so oh is it samoa joe was it he uh, was definitely some indie, indie darling yeah might say King Kong. That was absolutely fantastic. Um, oh, was it Rey Mysterio? It might have been Rey Mysterio, actually. Would have been Rey Mysterio. But, but yeah, I didn't realise he did all that. I knew he, went to, he was in one of the first Ring of Honours, wasn't he? But this was his first match back on. Just like to point out straight away, another week, another mullet. Yeah, this is yeah, a mullet there. This is probably the best mullet we've seen as well. It was the sickest mullet, yeah. It looks... Uh, yeah. He started to look, the more his hair dried off, the better it looked. Like yeah. It looks more acceptable to go outside on. Correct, Lou. CM Punk and Rey Mysterio. Yeah, I, said correct, match. I said correct. I said about four guesses. Of course, the I got it in the end. Um, I knew it was one of Eddie's mates. Yeah. Hey, Eddie Guerrero. Fantastic mullet. Well, I did prefer his 96 mullet. It was fuller. Yeah, it's just more luscious. Yeah, it's too wet. Yeah. Too wet. Yeah. I guess, said, he said, he said you, he got a bit blonder. It looked, it looked all right. If you're a wrestler and your hair is shoulder length, it has to be soaking wet. It's just true. his last week. Prove me wrong. Yeah, that is, that is correct. That is the, to get away with it. He's the only man, and that's his gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> glossy, glossy hair. Just before we get into the actual match, RVD's music is, is excellent. Best music on the pay-per-view for me. I think this is yeah. When we said RVD last week, where he used the weapons, he didn't need the weapons. He just needs to go out to this music, and he's instantly over in my eyes. Hang on, what music but, is it? Is it one of a kind? One of a kind. Unbelievable music. And then there is he, he tag teams with Booker T in the future, and they merge them together. <laughs> That's also brilliant. <laughs> so if anyone wants to go listen to that. You, know, you you wouldn't think it would you? Booker T's like um, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> that one. Can you dig it? Yeah, that one. He joins it together with a one of a kind, and it's unbelievable. <laughs> In tag teams we all forgot. I do like those mashups every now and again when you do them. Anytime Kane tagged with someone, and yeah. it was the beginning bit of Kane, and then the rest was the other guys. Great Big stuff. Big as well. He had he had a very similar. I think when they were when he was part of Jerry Show. But then some are absolutely awful. I'm looking at um. Kyrie said and ask her. Stop mm. that. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible. I don't know why they can't oh, just get Corbin's new... own music. He's managed his own music with some royal music now. What's that? What uh, is it? Ridiculous. Speaking of uh, Big Show and, and Kane managed their music, I was legitimately annoyed when Big Show and Kane split up. It was unbelievable. Split off after bloody May 19th. I know, of all the ways to split them up. And they got beat by the Spirit Squad. Yeah. We'll get to that. Yeah. But that promo, where is <laughs> Kane gets locked in that room. I'll go for you, Kane. <laughs> yeah. I'll go for you. And then Kane just walks behind. 
Oh, that's oh, my favorite segment of all time. I can't remember what it is. It's on a random raw. We're gonna we're gonna review that random raw. Kane had some unbelievable promos. Yeah. There's, there's the one where we was with Hogan and Hulk, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it does the uh, it doesn't matter what you think to rock. <laughs> great, yeah. absolutely great stuff. Well, he goes to um, anger management and it's like I have an unhealthy obsession with torturing Pete Rose. <laughs> <laughs> Three WrestleManias that went on for. <laughs> oh, what a feud. Long term booking at his finest. Oh, right, sorry. Kane's not even on this show. <laughs> no, I think it was Big Show. Big Show was it. Big Show was in the heat match against. Ah, because the, 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 before he was at WWF New York, wasn't he? Just having a, having a laugh yeah. with the fans. So WWF, WWF New York, forget about all that, don't you? Big yeah. Show was in the heat match. It was a handicap match against Justin Credible and Stephen Richards. Ah. It went two minutes. It went two minutes. I presume Big Show won. <laughs> Just the night after this is headlining Raw with Stone Cold. Yeah, there we go. And Big Show's back. Yeah, and this is when he joins NWO. Spoiler alerts for anybody who's not caught up. <laughs> but yeah, Guerrero and Van Dam go at 11 minutes. Eddie Guerrero's a massive heel and he's actually getting booed. And you've got to love heels who actually try and get booed. Yeah. We're super now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but he come back when he come back. He attacked RVD. That's how he come back. April the first, it was he come back. So he'd only been in the back for twenty days, and he's in this match. Yeah, so Eddie Guerrero goes and gets the belt. The ref gets knocked down. Eddie then does a net breaker on the belt, uh, and he wins by a pinfall after the frog splash. So Eddie Guerrero is your new IC champion. Lou, what did we think of the Intercontinental match between Eddie Guerrero and Rob Van Dam? Yeah, I thought it was a good match. Like at this point, they both had a lot of potential. If he'd have told me afterwards that Eddie Guerrero was going to be, the, you know, the face of the company for a bit, and Rob Van Dam wasn't, I'd have been very surprised because I thought Rob Van Dam had it all. Um, yeah. But obviously, you know, you think they, he was they, one of a kind. Hey, see what he did there. I think the, the problem with Rob Van Dam was, you know, he had it all, but he couldn't stay off the weed. <laughs> oh, and it kind of ruined, and it ruined his career. <laughs> It is. He lost two championships within a week, didn't he? Because he yeah. can't stay off the weed. Can't stay off the weed, and it's stupid. <laughs> so that was. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> Anyone who doesn't get that very niche reference, is just, go Google Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> the people of Ashburn, Georgia, get that Stephen A. reference. So that's all about. That's for you guys. Stay off the weed. But yeah, I am. Um, I thought it was good. Like the bit that I found a bit weird, it was just JR being classic red ass JR, <laughs> was where Lola was said, "Who did the frog the frog splash first? Was it RVD or Eddie Guerrero?" And he went, "It was Dulo Brown." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Completely just shat on the entire storyline of what they were going going for. Like, Shout out for Dulo Brown. Brown. Is yeah. he still a company in this time? Yeah, no, he won't have been here. It's real deal now. There is a raw, uh, no, Royal Rumble where. To Drew Carey, Royal Rumble, was that 2001? That was 2001. That was the hardcore yeah. Rumble. Yeah, that was good Rumble, that 2001. So anyhow, back to, we're getting sidetracked. You know what? We did real well for the first three weeks. And then yeah. <laughs> these past two were just put it. Send into anarchy. Peters, you said this was your second favourite match. Yeah, I, I felt this was the raw version of the match previous. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it was basically, like you say, it was two similar styles again going out, and you, you knew it was going to be a good match when you looked at it on paper and it delivered. I thought there was there was a really good flip 
powerbomb by Eddie off the top. So he, oh, that he, was sick. Yeah. That was absolutely sickening. Yeah, I had that written down. That was the yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that was quality. That was just before like I think the tussle over the belt when the the net breaker happened. It, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. That was a tough bump. That was a, a Matty John style bump. Tough. Would you have taken that bump if Matty Jones told you to? Probably, but then I'd have cried afterwards. <laughs> If Matty Jones had told you anything, he would have done that. <laughs> and then he cried afterwards. I was, I was in the moment. There's me, this fat guy who just started as well. Um, That's a bit harsh. No, but that was his, that was his gimmick. He right. couldn't do the, he couldn't do the fitness side. I could do the fitness side, but then he could do the bumps. I could do the bumps. So between us, we were the perfect wrestler. So you should have been called the high um, But he, but he dropped out of the session early. Matty Jones just went, "You had enough, lads." But he went, "Yeah, what's up?" And then I left like half an hour later and just saw him outside. A little sidetrack there. All right, I there thought the frog splash from Eddie as well was really good. The height and the height he got on it and the distance he travelled to hit. It was, he got um, he got far, didn't it? I think that's what makes RVD and Eddie Guerrero's frog splashes the best. Because Eddie Guerrero gets the distance and RVD, no matter what way they're facing, RVD lands on them properly. Unless yeah. it's Triple H and the little Chiba. <laughs> <laughs> he crushed his neck on him. Um, but just to go back on to D'Lo Brown, he, uh, he didn't leave WWE until 2003. Uh, and this was on April 23rd, no, 20th. On the 28th of April, he lost to Eddie Guerrero on Heat. Oh, so maybe that brought JR's comment into the, uh, into the story. And he had a feud with Raven. And Teddy Long managed him. And that's how Teddy Long got out of refereeing, managed D'Lo Brown. Oh, yeah, because he was getting down with the brown. That thugging, was the, uh... thugging and bullying enterprises. <laughs> yeah. Get down with that brown. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was a thing. And then he went to City and yeah. So while you're worrying about the brown, it wasn't so. Was it later on, was it? 2007-8-ish, um, I think he came back. Yeah, he was on a... He was on a house show that right. in, um, in Sheffield. Which I was going to say, he was at a dark match to one of the Raw tapings I went to. 2008 or 9. Yeah, that was it. Close person, Mid- friend of mine, D- D- Brown. July 21st, 2008, he uh, defeated Santino Morella. So there we have it. D-Lo Brown. Lovely stuff. Still a thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so enough D-Lo Brown for one episode. I know you're listening, D-Lo, so you're welcome. My <laughs> Terry, there you go. D-Lo Brown and Terry Peters play cards together and listen to the calls. <laughs> After like one sleep. <laughs> Terry Peters is a massive calls fan. <laughs> loves, loves the cards. I thought you were going to call me a massive Ellen, to be honest with you. I sound a bit cheesy. We'll save that, that. We'll save that for other wrestling YouTube slash podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. Um... Yeah, so after Guerrero Van Damme, which went 11 minutes, Eddie, the new champion, um, we're going to a promo package for Taker against Austin. So Ric Flair is the yeah, sort of GM of Raw, co-owner of WWF. Undertaker comes out and says he wants to be number one contender for the, for the Undisputed Championship. Austin also comes out and says he wants to be the, uh, the number one contender uh, Ric Flair's pretty annoyed because he's been feuding with Taker. I think he had a match at the previous the WrestleMania just gone past. And Austin obviously stunned him after he signed in the contract. <laughs> he's 
Is it, is it, is it WWF in the 2000s if Austin doesn't end with a stunner? So Ric Flair announces, says, Taker, if you beat RVD, you're number one contender. Austin, if you beat Scott Hall, you're number one contender. So Taker beats RVD earlier, in the, earlier on Raw and then tries to interfere in the Scott Hall-Austin match, uh, which is a, a repeat of WrestleMania, interestingly, yeah, WrestleMania 18. Um, he doesn't... He don't manage to stop Austin winning, so they're both number one contender. So they're both saying it's number one contender, and that's why we have this match at Backlash. Ric Flair comes out looking like Ridiculous. disgraced, disgraced uh, public media guy. Gone to Lou. What I thought was great about Ric Flair was he's wearing the ref shirt. He's also got the classic red Flair boots. I know. Yeah, they, they were very off-putting. But to be fair, he's done a better effort than what Macho Man did when he was special guest ref. At least yeah. he's got the proper shirt on. That is true. You need to know, though. Yeah, you need to know who's the rep, who's in charge. Not, it's not triple threat. I was both disappointed, though. Spoiler alert for the rest of the match. I was expecting Flair to like rip off the top and the uh, and the trousers and being his like classic Ric Flair gear. You know, get involved, get amongst it. Never did. So Taker comes out on his his motorbike. Yeah, it must have been a small area because there was a few times I thought he was going to crash into the side. <laughs> It's a big bike to go around the bloody just, ring, and it? He just it? wheels it most of the time anyway, doesn't he? Yeah, he wheels it. Can't wheels really it go ask, can you? No, no, no. And then Austin comes out on massive pop because Austin in it. He's gone, so he's gone back to his classic Austin music. Is, is yeah. it Disturbed or did they sort of heal Austin on it? Yeah, there's a Snoop Dogg version as well, which I don't know if he ever used. He ever used or if it was just released on a, on a CD. Interestingly, you mentioned got quite a big pop there. Yeah, it was taken. Consider it was a he- consider it was a heel. Yeah. Yeah. Go I think there's some wrestlers that you want to see, don't you? Yeah. Um, and some people just want to listen to Limp Bizkit. Well, yeah. Again, that's it. You've got a heel to take care, but he's got a cool entrance, hasn't he? Yeah. He's got the Limp Bizkit and he's got the motorbike and. But they have a they have a match. It goes on for about three hours. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. actual time twenty seven minutes. Peters, what did you think of the match? Too oh, long. Was too long. Too long. About five, seven minutes too long, I think. Uh, yeah. It, it, there wasn't... I thought there was good parts of it, like when they were brawling outside a lot and then going into the crowd. I thought that was quite good. But then, after that, they, they just take it into the middle of the ring and then just do, like, chin locks and shoulder locks and, and grapples and holes. And you're thinking, this isn't what you want to see from... The Undertaker and Stone Cold Steve Austin, you want to see a battle, and it, it didn't feel like a battle once they'd gone back into the ring. Yeah. And for me, it flattered to deceive. Well, I'm probably like you. This was the match I was most excited about seeing. Especially with what's on, line, on the line as well, yeah. in, in a number one contender spot. I think what they were going for was the sort of, you know, like war of attrition. Sort of, I deserve to be number one contender because I... You know, I mean, we slugged out for this long, and I've I've lasted. But I don't think it worked out. Lou, would you agree with that? No, it didn't work for me. You see, weirdly, this was the match where the crowd got a bit quiet for the first time. I thought the crowd were hot all night, especially um, in the in the middle of the match, didn't they? So yeah, it and then the ball quite quickly. This was the match where it just kind of petered out a bit, considering it's it's Austin and Taker. Like, yeah, full disclosure, like I didn't particularly like this version of Undertaker. Um, I'm I'm not a master. No, I, I like the biker taker in general. Like the the idea was ridiculous. Like he's some sort of undead zombie. He goes away for nine months. He comes back on a motorbike, and everyone goes, "You're right, mate." No one really questions it. You know, 
That aside, I think there's like this big evil heel version. I just thought it was a bit boring. I, I, I've seen a few matches from like this era of Undertaker, and you just couldn't work for shit. It just every match was just a bit slow and a bit plodding. Well, if he's kind of like half half dead man, half like real guy. He certainly yeah. Undertaker's one of those guys. Like the, he became like a really, really, really good worker later on in his career. So like you're looking from like I always think the, the match with Batista at WrestleMania 23. Yeah. Um, was where he turned around and he just became this like amazing worker and he had ridiculously good matches after that. Yeah, because after that, I he think... had a series of Angle, didn't he? Yeah, yeah there's Angle, a really good Master Feud of Edge, which was really good, and yeah. then obviously Shawn Michaels, Triple H, uh, CM Punk. And he squeezed the World Heavyweight yes. title run in there as well, didn't he? Squeezed yeah. a couple in, yeah, which is it was really good. But yeah, at this point, I thought he wasn't he wasn't sure what his character was. And I, they, they gave him too much. They gave the Undertaker character too much. Um, and I'll go into that into the main event. Like, they overprotect the Undertaker far too much, I think. But yeah, this match was just... Uh, I guess you didn't know Austin was on the way out at the time. Um, this was like a year before I retired. I don't think he knew, he knew he was on the way out at the time. Uh, it was just... Yeah, it went on a bit slow. And it was just a bit a bit long. And the, the, the crowd got, got bored for the first time. So yeah, for me, it was a disappointment. Yeah, so the, the sort of fighting at a slow pace. There's a lot of... Taker does go old school for one of the first times in a while. Austin does his Lufez press, and then for some reason, the NWO come out. <laughs> probably, used to tell, probably used to tell Ric Flair what to do. Yeah. He'd really... lost the plot completely. And Lord, oh, I, I think Lawler bringing it up on commentary didn't help. So, Hall and X-Pac come out. X-Pac's obviously wearing Kane's mask for some unknown reason. And then there's a point where, like, I think Flair was taking a pin, and he's, like, leaning on top of him. To yeah, take a pin and yeah, he took uh, one time. <laughs> I think it was a lot of yeah. them. That was a slow count there, Joe. I was like, he was doing it all night. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get like Lawler. Obviously, Lawler and Jay, I don't know what's happening. Do they? They're seeing it for the first time as well. But yeah. you've got to use your head. I think sometimes, and yeah, don't harm the product. So there's a there's a stunner by Austin, but Flair's been knocked down. Uh, Taker goes and grabs a chair. Flares down again. <laughs> Taker hits him with a chair. And then finally, Taker big bolts the chair into Austin's face. Flair doesn't see it. Taker wins by pinfall, but Austin's foot is on the ropes. But Flair doesn't see it and counts to three. So Taker is the new the new un- um, number one contender from the Dispute Championship. He sorts the chest to mock Taker at the end. Sorry, uh, Taker tries to mock Austin at the end. And uh, Austin hits him with a stunner because... Hogan must pause and Austin must stun. Yeah. I, I was going to say this. I don't remember really a time where Austin, even when he loses a match, his music doesn't play at the end. Yeah, it's easy to say that now when Austin was this mega... Uh, no one, we've not had a star like him since, have we? Yeah. I think they're doing the same with, uh, with Becky now, aren't they? Becky's yeah. the same way. She loses a big match. Like I'm thinking Survivor Series last year, where Shayna won, but then Becky was <laughs> sat down putting you through the table. Yeah, get your uh, heat back. Oh, yeah, but I guess Becky's the biggest, the biggest star in the company now, so it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, Austin was like nuclear at this point, wasn't he? WWF have made them biggest profits ever because of Austin. Yeah. So that's just one of them things. I, the one that always comes to me is the Armageddon Hell in a Cell. Yeah. <laughs> Their angle wins, but Austin's the last thing you see. <laughs> we are definitely reviewing that one in December. Yeah, 100%. So Austin hits a stunner on Taker and it goes to backstage and uh, Coach grabs Ric Flair and shows him on the TV what happens. So we see the replay. I mean, for me, Flair can clearly see that his foot's on the rope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, he's, I think he's easy before it, before he starts counting. <laughs> he's at yeah, a weird he was not a good referee in, performance. No. And then sort of Flair rewatches it, sees it, and then 
It doesn't happen often. They dropped an S-bomb. Shit. Yeah, Flair goes, oh, shit, and then walks off. And that's the match. Uh, they go 27 minutes. A long 27 minutes. I was going to say, it felt a lot longer than I, that. I, when I saw the... Because I, I looked at the card on Wikipedia before I started watching it. I just know what was going on. Yeah, I saw Austin Undertaker, Ric Flair, special referee, 27 minutes. you got to think, it's got to be shenanigans aplenty. There's got to be a lot of doolally, a lot of malarkey. And it, there wasn't really. I thought it was going to be interferences. You know, Vince was going to get involved based on what we'd seen before. Especially because I think the, the story at the moment was like the undisputed champion who got to either brand. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that was. So I was thinking about the GM, the GMs on each side. So Vince and Ric Flair would be like, oh, we want to get them on, on our TV and whatnot. But it just didn't. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get why it went 27 minutes. Disappointing. Yeah, yeah. I thought the finish was pretty weak as well. Big yeah. boot into a chair. We've seen people kick out. Of, like Angle kicked out of a chair shot. Previously on yeah, the it's, it's the and, uh, and then yeah, and then I just I thought Taker should have obviously done the big boot and hit him with the last ride or the choke. Some yeah, it. it was just in this time there was a lot of concessions to Taker for some reason. I think it was like right, we'll just kind of double down on you now. You've been here a while. You've been loyal. Yeah, but there was a, there was a lot of I can't. There's a match around this time where he's against Kurt Angle and he does like a pump handle slam and then picks him up after the two count to say like I would have beat you, but. There's just a lot like that at the moment where they just make Taker look too strong. Um, and again, I'll get to the main event and why I think that's a real issue. So Taker's a new sort of underworld contender. I think this is the start of Ric Flair's sort of heel turn yeah. in, in the future. I think he has, a, he has a match with Austin or there's a tag team match Austin with Austin. And, Austin and Big Show, isn't he? It's a handicap match, I think. At, yeah. Uh, Unforgiven. No, Unforgiven. Judgment Day. Judgment Day, yeah. But I thought it was interesting that they showed it straight away on the camera. <laughs> it's one of them, sometimes, you watch, the more you watch it, the more you think, oh, they didn't get that right. Yeah. <laughs> Just live TV, in it? and for me, you flare could clearly see what was happening, <laughs> carried on counting in the old. I, I, don't, didn't, I wasn't watching it at the time, I don't know the role, so I don't know if they went into that, and actually Flair did know. Undertaker is a new number one contender. We didn't go into a... Sort of a come down match, and that wait, I say come down match. The fans didn't really get into that till till the end. Um, we've got Billy and Chuck, current tag team champions, against Al Snow and Maven. For me, what it did... gave the it gave the fans a chance to rest as well after such a long match before. Well, they do it all the time, don't they? Yeah. This is a this is a, a trope, and it we've got Billy and Chuck with Rico. So this is before they get married or going to get married. <laughs> what did we think of Billy and Chuck? Two beers. Oh God! I mean, it's bizarre, isn't it? To to think what Billy Gunn was two, three years before this as well, and how popular it was to end up in this sort of storyline, which again hasn't really aged that well, is just madness, really. I did like the 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 duo of Al Snow and Maven, because obviously Maven was the the tough enough winner, and Al Snow was the the trainer. So I like that aspect of it, but. Yeah, it was just Billy and Chuck was just bizarre for me. I think JR brought that up, didn't he? He said the trainer and the and the like trainee prodigy on it. That's not me. That's just this. It just had Taker Austin, so we're the biggest stars of all time, and they're probably on most people's Mount Rushmore wrestling. And then we go on to Billy and Chuck versus Al Snow Maven. How many times have you seen? Words? How many times have you seen this sort of thing happen at WrestleMania where they have a big match? Then they used to split with some sort of women's match and then go on well, to the main event as well. I think it's probably so the crowd don't suffer burnout. 
Yeah, I get I that. I feel they probably suffered so they, in, in yeah. the last match. It's there so they can go to the toilet and get the, the, get the concessions. Yeah. Hopefully get more than Doritos and, and cheese sauce. <laughs> Have you had a Google this week or what's on offer? Yeah, I mentioned uh, concessions. What, what do you think was the sort of food sources here? Well, I Googled it. Oh, boys, it's not the event. Um, and unfortunately, the, the Kemper Arena is now a, a youth sports facility. It's no longer operating as an arena. Oh, um, right. But it does have a restaurant on site. So, nice food? I imagine so. It's modern, modern Doritos, yeah. Do, do they call people Walter Poop? We've never mentioned that on the podcast before, you know. That's just yeah, going to really That's just like right around. You know what? I think we should leave that until next week. Tune <laughs> oh. in next week to hear the story. The origin. Yeah. The origin yeah. of Walter Poop. <laughs> people are joining us next week for Walter Poop. Walter yeah. Poop, we'll give you an update on the rap tail. Yeah. We haven't forgot. <laughs> it's <laughs> been fun. a week. The people haven't forgot. We haven't forgot. Terry Peters. All right. we'll, 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 we'll be fine. We'll get All of our, 100% of our Twitter followers brought it up last week. Well, there you go. Was it yeah. you? Phil. Uh, so, 100%. Shout out to Phil Sparrow, one of our biggest fans. At Ress Around on Twitter as well, WRES Around. Followers for uh, a picture of, oh, well, we, we mentioned earlier, a picture of Terry Peters barricading a, a wasp into his bathroom with a pair of ladders. <laughs> ECW uh, style pair of ladders or what? And in 11 weeks' time, if we get, I can't remember what we said now, but it'll be me dressed as a Power Ranger. <laughs> I think it was like 10 reviews, was it? 10 reviews. <laughs> two more to go, please. Two more reviews, please. 11 weeks, two more. We it's can not do hard it. to do we it. Do this, yeah. If you're listening right now, just go on iTunes or whatever you're looking on and bang a five star. Five there we go. Problem sorted. I think. The last two minutes of us talking about nothing but this match describes this match for me. <laughs> uh, problematic crowd chants. I don't know if they were actually chanting it, so I don't want to accuse the good people of Kansas City, <laughs> sorry. What, what, what do you sure think they were, they were chanting? I'm pretty sure they were chanting Rico's gay at one point. Right, okay. Oh, this Rico's, uh, he's, he's, what did they say? He was a stylist? He's the stylist, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. What an exquisite lime green yeah. shirt as it well. Was... And a set of mutton chops. This wasn't even the point where you can say, oh, it's back in the day. This was fi-. like, you know, this was fine. Like it was 2002. This absolutely wasn't fine. Yeah. Um, never, when you think the amount of impressionable kids watching it. Yeah. It was kind of unacceptable, to be honest. I believe he's not a policeman, Rico. Is he really? Oh, he was. When, when they did one of those, where are they now? He was certainly a policeman, I believe. Scott Etulotti, he became a policeman. He was a, he was a fireman. Was, he, was it a fireman? Was but it? I think he's now a trainer in NXT. Yeah, he is. Kevin Francis. He's uh, he's in Canada, <laughs> isn't he? Canadian Manny. Yeah. So sorry. Well, to be fair, our good people of Hull all know Kevin Francis is, but you can't just say Kevin Francis without a bit of description here. Yeah, Kevin Francis, former Hull City striker, uh, now a now a Mountie. Six so, foot seven, I believe. Top yeah. lad. Top absolute top, top lad. Top lad. So uh, Billy and Chuck for five minutes. Uh, Al Snow and, and Maven. Rico's getting involved a bit. At one point, he kicks Chuck Palumbo. Instead of Maven, yeah, he then gets involved again. Al Snow gets rid of him, and then Chuck does a pretty brutal sort of super kick into Maven's face. Christ, that looked looked pretty stiff. And then Billy Billy Gunn, he's not even called Billy Gunn in this. He's just called Billy. Just falls Billy, on Maven. Yeah, falls on Maven, so they retain the titles. Was what it was. Five minutes. Uh, I, I do want to say that Maven and Al Snow's theme, whoever that was, rubbish. Was the worst fucking theme tune. Yeah, I, I, we, you know, we've been through two WCW shows and an ECW pay per view. 
that was replaced entirely with generic music. Yeah, and this was still the worst entrance music. Yeah, that's it. It was just yeah, generic crap. I don't know what it was. It was just like random like generic club beat that you heard in the background. Right. Terrible. That's probably why um, it's not notable. Interestingly, uh, Chuck Palumbo, or Chuck as he's called in this, wanted to keep his hair long, but the bleach was doing, making it look real weird, so he, that's why he cut it short. <laughs> he came back as like a biker as well, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. He was a poor man's undertaker. Then he, um, something happened. I don't want to say it in case it was slander. Let me just Google it. He was a former WCW Tag Team Champion, wasn't he? He was with Sean O'Hare. Yeah, I think they were a tag team, weren't they? R.I.P. Sean O'Hare. Is he dead? Sean O'Hare, is he? That's absolutely... If he's not, that's outrageous, Peters. He had a good upside, Sean O'Hare. Sean O'Hare is the one that they always say, why didn't he become more of a thing, innit? Yeah. But they were both power plant trained, I believe. I can't find what I was going to say about Shrew Palumbo, so I'm going to presume it's not true. I'm going to move on. Sean O'Hare, R.I.P., died on the 8th of September 2014. Christ, no. R.I.P. Charlotte Hair. It wasn't very old either, let me just have a look. No. So, uh, Maven, he had an interesting career. Age 43. 43, no age to go, is it? Rest in peace, Charlotte Hair. Yeah, so yeah, just to go back to Maven, he... Uh... God bless Charlotte Hair. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> Obviously, uh, Maven was a tough enough winner. Yeah, that's why he's on the show. He's a weird feud with The Undertaker. Where, like you say, Lil Undertaker just beat him up for about six weeks straight. Yeah, Cassie did, because Undertaker at this point, that's what he just did. <laughs> yeah. But he not, didn't maybe knock him out of the Rumble one year, I think. Yeah, that's how it was. That's how it started, yeah. Uh, trying to give Maven some sort of a field to latch. I mean, it looked all right in this match, but yeah. I think he was there for like five years. It was Simon Dean's tag team partner at one point. Classic <laughs> Again, feature. quite young at this time. Maven's only 43 now. Yeah, so Maven, the... Uh, Evan Hoffman, is he related to Booker T? No, but Conan claims he was that Maven's his cousin. Claims. That's what it says on Wikipedia. (laughs) On absolute strawberry. (laughs) So, uh, listen to last week and you'll. No, listen to two weeks ago and you'll find out why Conan's a strawberry. Unless you're listening, Conan, then. uh... Yeah, you are. It was all Omar and found him on there. So you are in fact a, you are in fact a strong break on and come out. <laughs> yeah, if you are, if you are listening, Conan, I'll, I'll fight you. <laughs> fight you right now. Yeah, Conan, strawberry. <laughs> Sorry, I've been Conan, caught there. Conan, Conan, Brian, more like <laughs> bashing the Conan. Um, yeah, maybe he he leaves WWE uh, WWE in two thousand five. Has a few dark matches for TNA, and then. So it leaves the business and resurfaced in 2015, doing some independent shows. Last known in 2019, he was like a, an accountant for uh, an accountant or administrator for the Brooklyn Nets. Ah, good pick. Good, <laughs> so pick. good for him. He's left now, but he was. Yeah, it's fine. So yeah, that's sort of in between the two main events, just to like we say, let fans go to the toilet and buy some nachos with cheese whiz on them. Face like thunder, Lou. <laughs> He's upset with that. I'm not to speak we then go back into a Triple H and Hogan promo. So Hogan, recently on one of the the Raws, has is, is gone back to his red and yellow. So first time ever. So he's, he was part of the NWO. He has the match with The Rock. He shakes The Rock's hand at the end after losing. Kevin Nash and Scott Hall are upset with this. So they beat him up and kick him out of the NWO. And now it's sort of a, 
a redemption story. He's not been, I think the last time he was champion was 2003 in the WWF. Obviously, his LWCW title before that, but they're not counting that. And it's like, Hogan, can he come back and win the title? I think it's uh, the tagline for this pay-per-view is, one man's journey to stand alone. So it's all about Hogan. Can Hogan finally overcome Triple H? I think JR even says, isn't he? Uh, this is this will be one of the greatest moments in well, the greatest comeback in sports entertainment history. Yeah, which is kind of unnecessarily shitting on WCW because he had the, the main. You know, like he wasn't. I guess he wasn't in the WWF, but it wasn't really a comeback. He was main event in like WCW. He'd like, been. Oh, well, 2000, wasn't it? it was, yeah, Bash at the Beach 2000, wasn't it, where he disappeared? Was that the Russo promo? Yeah. yeah. Jeff Jarrett laid down for him. Which we'll get to in July. Yeah. Classic. So stay tuned for that, folks. So Hogan comes out as a sort of weird mashup of sort of Hollywood Hogan and Hulk Hogan. So he's playing the guitar. He's like a weird NWO sort of guitar theme tune. Uh, red and yellow. He's got the feather bowers. Peters, what did you think of this? sort of version of, of Hogan. It's the Hulk still rules era, isn't it? Where everything, he's got all his old merch, but then he's got plastered all over it, which to me, the t-shirts are cool enough as it is, don't plaster still rules over it. You could sell probably more by doing that. But I do wonder if, because of what happened at Mania and the crowd's reaction, maybe change some plans with Hogan. Oh, so, yeah, and that's probably why he's still got some of the Hollywood stuff, and then obviously turned into back into the Hulkamaniac. Yeah, Lou, any thoughts on on this version of Hogan? Yeah, I think it's disappointing that he didn't go all the way into the real, you know, the, especially the real American theme tune should have been played. I think what was actually played was Jimi Hendrix's uh, Buddha Child. Buddha Child. But it's been yeah, which is what he had in WCW when he was Hollywood Hogan. As I say, but it's like no... if you're gonna go to the red and yellow, just go back to the the Real American theme tune as well. Like, what a song that is, by the way. He only really used it like when he started coming out for the one-off appearances. But like through this run, he used Voodoo Child, which is a bit bit odd. Considering how it's similar, yeah, it's similar to yeah. NWR. It's similar to that old character, and I, I like that it was a mashup between the two. In like, like it looks better with the beard underneath the uh, the handlebar and yeah, and like the the you know the. The attire that he's got is good. Like it's the, the the black and white lightning, but in the red and yellow looks good. Yeah. But for me, you gotta go if you you know if it's that version of Hogan, you gotta go for American Charlie. In WCW, did he go back to red and yellow? Yes, he did oh, for a I bit. I thought he did. Yeah. yeah. He sort of. But he was a really he was a really shitty ankle. You know, yeah. as I said, I love WCW. He goes, I think he's just getting changed, and his kid just goes, "Oh, why don't you just buy that radio stuff instead?" So he goes, yeah, I sort right. of, I sort of like vaguely yeah. remember watching it. Yeah, his kid yeah. comes and says, "You want more of the red and yellow in a while?" And then he just puts the red and yellow on. Yeah, and then he, uh... okay, brother. Yeah, Triple H then comes out. <laughs> thanks, thanks for that, Luke. This is what I have to deal with. We'll do... <laughs> These two guys every week. <laughs> just give out the facts. <laughs> um, wrestling. This is what we're here for. This is what people are hopefully listening for. <laughs> Big shout out to Ashburn. Shout out to you, Ashburn. Absolute legends. The crowd there, for me, the crowd started off pretty hot in this. But because they were doing like a test of strength, something they? And Hogan, Triple H, and there's the big stare down. And Triple H gets his moment. This is Hogan's back as the Hogan that the old WWE fans cheered. But after all that had gone and the crowd was like, what, well, what next? It, it was pretty weak, I thought the middle of this match was. It had a very 
Austin Undertaker-esque feel about it in the way the just crowd reacted to bits. Slow, again, slow, wasn't it? Just... Yeah. I did like Triple H working on the knee, though. I thought that was quite good for the psychology, because obviously Hogan's got the brace on. Yeah. I suppose if you take out his legs, he can't do his leg drop, can he? Absolutely. Yeah. But Although with just... Hogan's booking power, God knows what would have happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he didn't have it here, did he? Because Vince isn't an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, you... whoa. No, whoa. Now it was Bischoff. Yeah, Bischoff's signed his power away. To get Hulk Hogan, like in the context uh, of when he signed Hulk Hogan, I'd have done it. I don't I'd get... sign Hulk Hogan right now on this podcast. He can have creative control all he wants. <laughs> Go on then. Hogan, oh, you're obviously. Let me tell you something, brother. <laughs> I'm on the Wrestle Around podcast. There we go. Next what week. What you gonna do, Terry Peters, with Hulkamania? What's wild on you, brother? What the hell? He's here, isn't he? So next, next week for uh, WWF Unforgiven 98, uh, Lou's unfortunately will be working, and Hulk Hogan, we've got Hulk Hogan in to draft him. It's, so. it's if we get if we get fifty five star reviews in, the, <laughs> in between between uh, this been and the and the Saturday when we record, Hulk Hogan will be on instead of Lou, Lou Margram. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell the credit. I've had that Terry Peters met with the Babs. <laughs> so similar haircuts, Terry Peters and Hulk Hogan, aren't they? Got <laughs> no rat tail, has he? No, that's what you would be looking for. What well, if you had Peters? Would you see your hair's more like Paul Heyman or Hulk Hogan? Which would I prefer? What would the same more like now? What is it more like now? Because obviously there's no one top. <laughs> Probably Hogan's because it's shorter. So Hogan, there you go. Tape it. So anybody who's wondering what Tape is looks like, imagine Hulk Hogan's head. <laughs> On an Englishman. <laughs> yeah, I mean Hogan doesn't like not doesn't not look English, does he? <laughs> no, but I am. I think it'd be pretty weird if Hulk Hogan was English. I think we'd never be great. Well, let me tell you something, brother. <laughs> yeah. What? Southern Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I just like Northern Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I'll tell you something, brother. Now then, brother. <laughs> oh, right. God. What, what, one what, day, what are you going to do? It. What are you going to do, mate, when it runs wild? <laughs> one day we'll get through this. Cockney Hulk Hogan will be the best one. Yeah. Right. Well, let's you something, bro. <laughs> what you gotta do, right? right? What are you gonna do? What command is going to run well on you? It sounds more well, bloody Ray Powell than Cockney, that. <laughs> Ray Powell is a Cockney, isn't it? Wrong for the days, Essex, and he's not Cockney. It's not the same. Southern. No, so Cockney is like East End of London, Essex is outside of London, isn't it? No, it's, the, it's the same thing. It's the same to Kansas City, please. Yeah, back to Kansas. Imagine just before we do that, though, imagine a Scottish old girl going there. Please, 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 tell us. Oh, yeah. What are you going to do about that? <laughs> oh, no. I'm Irish. What are you going to fucking do about that? There's Nessie oh, over there, brother. Fucking hell, come Right, so uh, if anyone's listening and is good at accents, maybe. Slightly like less because obviously we're excellent. He wants to wear uh, Picard. Uh, what you gonna do, brother? Hulkamania is gonna run wild on you with his 24 inch pythons or whatever in various different languages. Then uh, email it into uh, <laughs> wrestling around outlook.com and we will 100% play it if it's on, yep. you know, if we can, if it's again not against their cast rules. Sweet <laughs> Tweeters, uh, Tweeters are us around with your favourite um, Hulk Hogan regional accents. And we'll play yeah. them all. 
Every single we'll, one. And we'll do we'll do them all. That'll be sure on its own. Seriously, <laughs> if you if you send it, we will play it. Anything. If you want to just send Terry Peters. I, I don't like Terry Peters in a <laughs> foreign accent. Or I'm a part of the Peters posse, you know, <laughs> in a funny accent. Then we will play it. Give us so, a shout out. I'll part the Lou World Order. That's my group. I'm going yeah. Peters posse, Lou World Order. Christ. But anyway, back to the big Ross man. Back to, yeah, hey, the big Ross yeah. man. There we go. <laughs> join us side. Let us know on social media what side you joined. <laughs> Oh Christ! This is absolute every main event every week. Absolute anarchy just descends into chaos. It may well be because we've been recording for like two and a half hours, and it's <laughs> feels like two and a half days. We've, we've we've all drank a lot more than we should have. <laughs> I am, except for the. Uh, Peter just comes out of the shit and then it's just kind of thing. this bloody thing? Peter's don't need so. <laughs> Christ, right, let's get back into Hogan Triple H. Yeah, the crowd started off pretty hot, but went quite quiet. Um, loads of shenanigans in this match. Hogan hits a big boot and a leg drop. Gets Triple H in the pin and Jericho pulls the ref, El Hebner out the ring. Uh, then it's Hogan with a chair. Triple H says, I out winning this match this way, I don't need anybody's help. Throws Jericho out the ring. Hogan then hulks up. Classic Hogan, does the big boot, misses the leg drop, Triple H hits the pedigree, and then the new number one content number one contender, Undertaker, he runs in, interferes, hits Triple H with the chair, tries to put Hogan on top of him, Hogan then beats up Taker out of the ring, says, I'm, I'm not going to win it this way, I'm going to beat Triple H on my own, but then takes full advantage of Triple H who's been smashed with a chair, drops the leg drop, Picks up the one, two, three. Hulk Hogan, after nine years, is the new WWF undisputed champion. Triple H and Hogan have to stare down. Triple H finally offers his hand to Hogan, and they both shake. It went 22 minutes. Lots of shenanigans. So we've got Jericho running in, Undertaker running in. Lou, what did you make of our main event? Yeah, so I thought the time was all right, actually, for a main event. Yeah. It seems long on paper, but I think with the amount of shenanigans, you know, Doolally and Malaki in there, it was absolutely fine for me. The thing that annoyed me, and it's going back to the Undertaker again, he's gone in there because he's gone, and it shows that show of him smile at the end of like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, uh, I did what I did, like, I'm, and now I'm facing Hogan, not Triple H. And then he goes and beats Hogan in the next match, so it's like, it's kind of, I've got a weaker opponent, and he's shown Hulk Hogan to be a weaker opponent. Yeah. It, I didn't like it. I just, for me, it was just a bit. Again, it was just giving too much to the Undertaker character at this point. And at this point in it, like Undertaker only being in the company, like what? I know he'd been there 10 years, which is a, is a long time, but it's not anything insane. I just thought they were going too hard in on the Undertaker at this point. To I thought they were giving him too much. Kind of took yeah. away from the match. And also, like, yeah, the fact that Hulk Hogan kind of. So he won here, he won it, and it was a big feel good moment, but he, he won through shenanigans. He lost it the next month. I'm hoping he defended it on SmackDown at least once during this, otherwise he just kind of won and lost it straight away. I couldn't tell, yeah. I don't but I could, no, I don't, I don't know, to be honest. But it was just a bit, just a bit disappointing what it was. was what the, I actually enjoyed the match itself. I just felt the storyline implications of what was going on didn't really make a lot of sense. And kind yeah. of took away from the, what was happening. So I, I kind of thought um, if the take uh, Austin match had been a bit better... 
crowd wouldn't have been as flat for this one. I think their life got sucked yeah, out. It's very easy it? for a crowd today. We've all, well, three of us have been to shows where sometimes it's just not as good as you hope. Yeah. I'm thinking specifically that Raw we went to before WrestleMania 32, where they had that six man tag yeah. that lasted, I think, 12 hours. I think it moved on to the next yeah. day. It was... We nearly missed our flight to the next town. Brandon's it went on for at least 12 hours. <laughs> I think yeah, my Esther actually expired during that match. And... <laughs> I was stuck in the US. Yeah. <laughs> I think it just it's very easy to deflate a crowd, and I think Austin and Undertaker, which is mental sentence saying out loud. Yeah. Riz was the one that really killed the crowd, which is weird considering Billy and Chuck were in the match afterwards. Well, they did, I just don't think they ever recovered, did they? But they, I agree with you. There was a lot of sort of Undertaker dick swinging in this match, weren't they? Yeah. I, I'm the big I'm the big Undertaker. I'm better than everybody else. But yeah, yeah. I guess it was his it was kind of his persona, wasn't it? It was, but I thought it just took away from the rest of the roster, and it, it was an yeah. ongoing theme with Undertaker throughout 2002-2003. I don't think heel biker Taker worked. No. I, I thoroughly enjoyed Taker when he come back as the biker, to, was it 2000-2001? Thoroughly enjoyed that. I thought it was a refreshing change, but I think the longer it went on, just seemed dafter and... and not great. It, yeah, it was random, but like when he was coming down on his motorbike and beating up everyone and then leaving again... Yeah, you know, that was that was pretty cool. Whereas like now he was like some sort of he was halfway between a badass and a smarmy heel. Yeah, and it, it didn't really work for me. No, he sort of got a bit too much in, didn't he? Peters, what did you think of all the shenanigans in the in the main events? And the Dulali and Malaki. Just before yeah. we start, the graphic before the match it showed the world heavyweight title and the old eagle title, and obviously now it's just one title. Update your graphic. Update well, your graphic. Yeah, I guess. Because yeah. it, what it shows that they're fighting for two belts, which obviously is the undisputed belt, but they've merged it into that one, so it doesn't make yeah. any sense of why they would show an incorrect graphic. I think this was the first pay-per-view where they merged the belts, hadn't they? Yes, because it was only Jericho had two belts at uh, WrestleMania 18. Yeah, I know he had yeah. two belts, but I like say, say, if, time, if you're yeah. going to put one belt on, at least put the graphic for that yeah. one belt. Especially it, when it, they'd managed to update the WCW off the cruiserweight title, yeah, yeah, and not managed to do this, and it's a really cool looking belt, the undisputed title. I think it's yeah, really I cool. like it. I think it's a nice design. Yeah, I refer to it as the Brock Lesnar belt because it was yeah. Like, later I just, I just kind of wish it had lasted long. I wish it had come back when Cena lost the spinner. Yeah, yeah. So um, and the the one we got now. Yeah. The, the match overall, I thought it, I thought it was a, a a good match. I thought there was parts that maybe were a little bit slow, but I think. As I said earlier, I think that fed from the crowd before that they probably were just killed because of that last match. But then Hogan did get a lot of pops early on. But then when the runnings happened from Jericho and Undertaker, it sort of brought a bit more life in, back into the match. But yeah. I, just, I just... I thought, yeah, I thought, like you say, it was a decent end way to end the pay-per-view. New champion, handshake, Triple H goes off looking for Undertaker covered in blood. I think, yeah, it was it was a strong end for me. To be fair, I, I think thought it would it would have made more sense for Chris Jericho just to screw Triple H out of the title because that's where that feud went anyway. Yeah, I don't see why Undertaker needed to get involved and make Hogan look weak. Yeah, but that's my my main issue with it. Just have Chris Jericho come down. Sort of have the one running rap thing. Yeah, get him to screw Triple H out. Hogan doesn't realize that it's happened. Like you know, he kind of hits him with a chair or something behind the referee's back. And get it, but like Hulk Hogan, like, noticed that Undertaker interfered. And as much as like, I don't want to help, 
it's not like he held Triple H back up to his feet. No, he dropped the leg, didn't he? He just drops the leg on him, yeah. But <laughs> Triple H was the same, though. He, like, went, oh, get out of Jericho. You don't need to help me. But then just went, oh, I'm going to try and pin him anyway now. This was Triple H a face at this time. Yeah. He was, he was definitely a face at Mania, wasn't he? Yeah, he was feuding with... He, um, this is when he, he came back. He played a heel well in this match, to be fair. He adapted on the fly. He's, he's one of the best heels in the business, for me, yeah. Triple H. I think he's always been a stronger heel than a face. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know. I noticed the crowd as well were um, completely all on their feet at the end. Well, so if, which was nice to see. If you to trans, like you know, take, transport yourself back into 2002, Hogan's just come back. As you, you want WWF have taken over WCW. Invasion, yeah, it's gone a bit flat, but you've still got to see a few other top stars against each other. You still got to see DDP and Booker T in WWF, and sort of Rob Van Dam in, from ECW. And then you go back, and then Hogan and the NWO finally come in. You've just seen Hogan against Rock, and you unbelievable. And then Hogan wins the title because Hogan's not. There's no doubt Hogan's the, in the top two biggest stars between him and Austin. Yeah. So if you were to go back to 2002, and oh, you, it was a, and it was you a see Hogan, yeah, Hogan win. I, th- I don't know if it's aged as well as it would have. They maybe thought. So I think if you, at the time, no wonder the crowd are on the feet because it's a yeah. massive moment, absolutely massive yeah. moment. The only thing I could compare it to is if Cena came back and won title 17 now. Yeah. In, in, in modern days, that's the only thing I could think would get that sort of reaction now. Yeah. But potentially, if Jericho come back, but I don't think it would have been as big. No. Because um, as good as I think Jericho is, he was never the sole face, was he? Like Cena or Taker was. No, not yeah. Taker. Hogan was. Yeah. But for me, solid pay-per-view. A sleeper of a pay-per-view, really. Well, Backlash Auto, we don't really hear it, but it's got Ed Jangle, uh, RVD Guerrero. It's got Hogan, Triple H, <laughs> Taker Austin. Yeah. Uh, even the Tajiri Kidman match is really good. Solid 7.5 out of 10 for me. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Terry Peters, if you can, summarise the sort of full pay-per-view as a whole. Give it a score out of 10. Give the grade whatever you want to do. 8 out of 10 for me. 8 out of 10. He loves it. Back to WWE. I I really enjoyed this. I I think it's very underrated, probably because it was overshadowed by Mania and what happened there. But I think if people were to watch it, I think they'd be quite impressed by it. Barring Austin Taker. Unless some people might enjoy it. I personally didn't, but... Uh, I think there's a lot of good stuff on there and some hidden gems as well, like the first match and the edge and angle and RVD and Eddie. I think it's sort of in that era, isn't it? Where it's an era that's not an era. So the yeah. actual era is finished and after the invasion, ruthless aggression hasn't started yet. You don't ever hear anything good out of early 2000s WWE. Yeah. But Lou, um, what were your overall thoughts on the pay-per-view? Yeah, I'm the same. I really enjoyed it. It's a really interesting time for for the WWF, or WWE as it would be a few weeks later. And it was, yeah, it was interesting to see that difference between the, the Ruthless Regression era was just about to start, the actual era was kind of ending. Um, it was good to kind of see that Hogan run at the top of his game. And just, I, the one thing I took away from it was like, I know we said he kind of died in like the longer match, but the crowd were like red hot like all night. Um, the crowd was really good, yeah. Yeah, you know, like how often nowadays do you see in any company, you know, like if it's WWE, AEW, Ring of Honor, whatever, how often do you see a crowd get that into the first match? You know, yeah. the opening match was Billy Kidman and Tajiri. And the crowd were well into it. And it just kind of, they just got kind of hot as it went on. They obviously they died a bit um, during that six-hour um, match between 
Austin and Undertaker. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it as a show. Um, I kind of wish I'd, you know, you look back and you think, well, this is the point where the only reason I got out of wrestling at this point was because it moved off Channel 4. That's what um, sets, yeah. Yeah, and it, was, it just became, you know, it went off Channel 5, WCW went off Channel 5, uh, WWE went off Channel 4, you can only watch it on Sky. If you didn't have Sky, you stopped watching it at this point. Um, but it would have been cool to just continue to watch and be a fan through this era, I think. Yeah, um, I think J.I. even mentions, doesn't he, if you're watching on Skybox Office, on Sky Sports Box Office. Apart from maybe the Taker Stone Cold match, and I, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that it was a bad match. It was all right. Um, every other match was solid, which is something that I don't think the WWF get a lot of credit yeah, for. Yeah, the, the 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 tag match was um, very problematic. Right, it was just just there, was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a bit. What the could they have done though? The, could they have done though? Right, what, I think it, well, I think it's just scrap that entire fucking storyline before we started. Basically, would be my <laughs> um my advice on that one. Yeah, hindsight it's twenty twenty. Yeah. But a solid match overall, and I did love the. We've mentioned this a lot, especially with WCW. Uh, at the end of the pay per view, sort of just ends and it's flat. But the, the end of this pay per view, and it's something that Kevin Dunn needs a lot of credit for, especially on Vince McMahon. It ends with Hogan holding the belt aloft, and that's if that's the last thing you see. Pay per view goes off, and you see Hogan with, with the belt aloft. The crowd going crazy. So for me, a very good end. Top pay-per-view. I'd definitely watch it again. I've seen it pre- many times previously. And, you know, that, would, that was Backlash 2002. So next week, we are sticking with WWF. We're going four years back in time. We're going back to a, an in-your-house, I believe, Unforgiven. Lou, are you excited to go back in time four years to the sort of middle or middle to the end of the uh of the monday night wars yep so as we were saying like i think you know the the the, the, the event that we just showed was just like right at the end of my childhood like phase one of my of my wrestling fandom it was just after it i think this unforgiving show is going to be just before it i feel like i've seen it on dvd or, or, video, or vhs but honestly i can't remember so i'm kind of looking forward to uh to looking back to that era Terry Peters, uh, 98 WWF, sort of big landscape. We've got a lot of the big stars who are on this show, but sort of just coming through. Uh, what, what do you think we're going to gonna talk about next week? I think there's going to be one match in particular we're going to talk about, which will be the first ever Inferno match, which is an, a match I have actually seen. I can't really remember it because it's been a lot of years since I have seen it. But I'm interested to see what was... What else was on the product around that time? I can't. Re- I've seen bits around that time, and I can't really remember a lot now. Cause again, it's been a few years since I watched it, so it'd be quite nice to see. On do love is in the main event, which will be nice to see the other, the third face of Foley, who doesn't get mentioned often either. I, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I can't wait to talk about Mick Foley because he's one of my favourites of all time. No matter what iteration of Foley is, it's unbelievable and. Surprisingly, our first fully the first time fully will get mentioned. <laughs> every podcast, every podcast, six episodes in, yeah. And it's going to be the first time we're talking about Foley and the Rock. I don't know if the Rock's on the card, but he's definitely in his ear, isn't he? Yeah. Not talked about the Rock yet. Unbelievable! Star Trek, that bloody WCW with the Tower of Doom crap. <laughs> hey, the listen Tower of Doom was, was popular by our listeners. Everyone loves the Tower of Doom. Listen to episode one. <laughs> not as much as people love ECW. <laughs> yeah, apparently not. So thank you everyone for listening. 
especially you legends in Ashben GA. <laughs> Please give us a shout out on Twitter. Ashfeed, Ashben GA. Classic stuff. We actually seen that live. We we was at the uh, the, the Hall of Fame where the fabulous Freebirds got inducted and Michael P.S. Hayes. Well, he stole the show and stole the moment in all of our hearts. Yeah, incredible. <laughs> it was unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah, if you are listening, tell us tell us where you're listening from. So it's absolutely fascinating to know what part of the world we've reached now because we are worldwide. <laughs> We're the worldwide listener on pod. So you can tell us uh, via Twitter or Instagram where you'll find us as at rest around. That's W R E S around. We are wrestling around on Facebook, wrestling around on YouTube, where you can see like sort of clips and even if you want to watch the full show on YouTube, so you can find us on. Uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts. Um, if you get us the 10 reviews, Terry Pete, oh, no, Peters is already growing a rat tail leg. Lou's going to wear a <laughs> Lou's going to wear a Power Rangers outfit. And That's correct. I, I guarantee that will be on the YouTube. So if you want to see what you want to see Lou in a, in a green Power Ranger outfit, <laughs> then we just need two more five star reviews. Wasn't there someone who was going to get 50 reviews? I can't even remember now. <laughs> I think I just kind of saw myself shouting the 10 reviews. I'm going to be Googling Power Rangers outfits as soon as this uh, this show finishes. The, the support is incredible, um, considering you know we're all bored in quarantine, so we started the podcast. Because <laughs> apparently that's just what white guys do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, if you if you want to email us anything, so if you've got your old Kogan impressions, then email us or just mentioned the social media, but email us at wrestlingaround at outlook.com. Email us a question, email us to say you're in the Peter's Posse, the Lou Wear Alder, uh, you're a fan of the Big Ross Man. <laughs> Considering that was men on the fly, absolutely incredible. <laughs> Join us next week where we're staying in WWF for Unforgiven 98. Thank you, Terry Peters. Thank you, Lou Markham. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. This has been the Wrestling Around Pod, and we will see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.